0: Car race review with our Homestead in Toledo weekend preview on Fan for Racing Radio. And joining me for tonight's show is our co host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. Kind of liking this. Got one racer to review and a couple to preview. So kind of getting into the flow of the way that's been going here as of late.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. In fact, we've got four races. Uh, well, actually, five races to preview, uh, because uh, Xfinity Series is going to have a double header.
1: Yeah, looking okay. forward to that. We haven't seen, seen that yet out of the Xfinity Series, so we'll see how that plays out for them this weekend at Homestead, Miami.
0: All right. Well, in the first half hour, we are going to review the Cup Series race at Martinsville that took place just last night. Uh, and we're also going to preview the Arkham Menard Series East, uh, who are racing at Toledo Speedway uh, this weekend as well. Then in the next, step out, the next 20 minutes, we'll get into the Gander RV and uh, Truck Series, Outdoor Truck Series, and then 20 minutes later, we'll start the Xfinity Series uh, preview, uh, both of those races at Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, In our last 20 minutes of our first 90 minutes, (laughs) we will preview the Cup Series again at Homestead Miami Speedway. So uh, a lot of racing going on this weekend. Uh, Of course, 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with uh, Andy Lasky and our Fan for Racing crew, so that should be interesting as well. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the review of the race that happened at Martinsville just last night. First time under the lights for any race at Martinsville Speedway, but especially the NASCAR Cup Series racing there.
1: Yeah, certainly groundbreaking there. Uh, hopefully we do see more of that. I know that was, again, a, a discussion they put the lights in. I do believe they ran a, a late model race there um, Last year, I think it was, if, if not been for two years. I know the lights were installed in 2017, but with that, to, to have a, the Cup Series groundbreaking race under the lights, and I think it came out phenomenal.
0: It did, it did. It was good, good racing. All right, now it was the 71st annual Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief. 500, and the race winner was Martin Truex, Jr., at the age of 39. He drives the number 19 Sirius XM Toyota for Joe Gitts Racing, and his crew chief is James Small. Uh, It was his 27th victory, um, 104th top five, that's amazing, and 211th top ten, In 524 cup series races Also his first victory And his 6th top 10 finish this year This is also his 2nd victory And 13th top 10 finish in 29 races At Martinsville Speedway Ryan Blaney finished 2nd Posting his 5th top 10 finish In 9 races at Martinsville Speedway And it is his 5th top 10 finish this year Brad Keselowski in third posted his 15th top 10 finish in 21 races at Martinsville Speedway. And it should be noted, I think uh, places two, three, and four were all Team Penske drivers with Joey Logano finishing in that fourth place. Tyler Reddick was the highest finishing rookie. He finished 16th. Uh, This is the ninth time that a Toyota has won in the NASCAR Cup Series at Martinsville Speedway. And it's also the 11th win for Joe Gibbs Racing at Martinsville Speedway as well. So any thoughts about uh, that information, Jay?
1: whole lot of thoughts there. First off, where did Martin (laughs) Truex come from? I mean, if you Mm -hmm. watch that race in an an entirety, uh, yeah, he was on the lead lap, but towards the rear of it for most of the race, as you mentioned, the Penske team, uh, Ryan, Br- Ryan Blaney, Brad Keselowski, and Joey Logano up front dominating majority of the event. I know Brad Keselowski um, – actually, Joey Le- – or uh, sorry, Ryan Blaney and Keselowski had that dip. And didn't weren't on uh, on the right setup or something to start the race, but worked their way back up and drove back to the front. We're up front for the second half of the race. But Martin Truex really came out of nowhere. Not a surprise the fact of how he has run on that track as of late, as he has become kind of the short track king. But to see it in that fashion at the end of the race like that kind of reminds me of how Kevin Harvick got the nickname The Closer.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. Uh, Yeah, Martin Truex Jr. has been kind of the theme for him this year has been starting at the back and racing his way through that field in order to get to the front and be there at the end. Uh, This time he was not only there at the end, he was there and in position to go after that victory against three hard-charging uh, Team Penske drivers. Uh, and, and we mentioned Joey Logano uh, finishing fourth. In fifth place was Chase Elliott, who's won a couple races already this year. And to round out the top ten, uh, it was Alex Bowman finishing sixth, Matt Benedetto, William Byron, Kurt Busch, and Jimmy Johnson coming home with the top ten finish.
1: And there you got to look at the other aspect of it. And again, with the exception of maybe Alex Bowman, the uh, Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolets were up there battling it out. I know William Byron wasn't as dominant as Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott, but they all four ended up in the top ten. So that's three Penske's and four Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolets that fill up that top ten. That doesn't leave a whole lot of empty spots.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly uh and and uh there's not a whole lot of uh, other uh Toyotas or um well, I guess Kurt Busch is a Chevy now, right?
1: Yeah, Kurt's in the but Chevy I- and and Matt As I was gonna say Matt Matt Benedetto is almost the fourth Penske team there in their partnership with the Wood Brothers. It is the Wood Brothers team but has an alliance with Team Penske. So really it could be considered four and four there.
0: Exactly. Now it should also be noted Austin Dillon came home uh in uh twenty second place. Actually he came home in uh twenty in I'm sorry, I'll get it right here. He came home in thirty seventh place. Uh he was actually uh taken from his car because uh, he was experiencing some overheating problems. He talked a little bit about that on Race Hub today. Uh, And I kind of heard some of the other drivers talk about how hot uh, the cars are running, and they're starting to wonder if it has something to do with this uh, new uh, uh, package that they're running. Have you heard anything about that, Jay?
1: It does, and I actually have that list uh, on my list of coincidentally hot topics. But um, (laughs) we have seen that over – yeah, there we go. Um, We've seen that both at the Atlanta race as well as here at Martinsville. Now, there's a whole lot of things to consider there. Again, some of these tracks that we're running at now, we normally don't run at this time of the year. So that becomes a Mm -hmm. factor. But I do think that the package with the car and the aerodynamics of it, how little air – Outside air actually gets into the car versus what they have pumped through their uh, cooling system gets into these cars So it is something that NASCAR may have to take a look at but like I said There's a lot of other circumstances that are coming into play this year specifically with when we're running at these tracks
0: Okay Uh, Yeah, so just something to be aware of and uh, something that, uh, again, we'll probably get into in our NASCAR Hot Topics a little bit later this evening. Now, uh, Stage 1 was run by the 22, that's Joey Logano. Stage 2 was won by the number 48, that's Jimmy Johnson. So uh, a lot of Jimmy Johnson fans uh, were feeling pretty good during Stage 2. Um, but it was Martin Truex Jr. who uh rose to the top and uh, won that race in the end. It was seven caution flags for 52 laps and 14 lead changes among the state drivers.
1: Well, and like I said, Uh, overall, I thought the race... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Overall, I thought the race was great. Uh, Again, what determined that, I'm not real sure. Well, again, we got several unusual circumstances coming into play, the no practice, you got what you got when you unload. Um, the fact that it was a it was a night race, uh, the new package they have. So there's so many variables variables to it. But we saw a lot of what Larry McReynolds like to go, calls the comers and goers uh, throughout the race, to start the race and at the end of the race. So that really provides for some very entertainment on track action.
0: I agree. I th- I really like it when it's like that. Um, let's go over the points report, Jay.
1: All right, let me scroll up to that. that back, it might be down. the points one at the bottom?
0: Yeah, you have to scroll down.
1: Okay, so Kevin Harvick, again, has two wins. A couple drivers do. is still your points leader, up 28 on Joey Logano, who has two wins. Chase Elliott in third is 47 back with one win. Martin Truex now locked into the playoffs with a victory, is actually 71 points back. Brad Keslowski in fifth is 72 back, but he has two wins. Then you got the first driver in sixth spot, Ryan Blaney. And we talked about how he kind of started the season strong, had a little bit of a dip, mm-hmm. but has come back on lately. He is 91 points back and is the first driver there without a win. Behind him is Alex Bowman has the one win. He is hundred points back. 117 points back is the number 11 FedEx of Denny Hamlin, who has the two wins. From there back, we get into drivers that have not won yet. Ninth is Kyle Busch at minus 126. Brother Kurt Busch is at minus 134. Jimmy Johnson now, and he's been up and down over that 12th spot. We'll talk about the importance of that. That is 151 back. Clint Boyer on the inside of that 12th spot at 164 back. Thirteenth, Matt DiBenedetto is 174 back. Eric Almirola, 188. Eric Jones at minus 195, and William Byron now at minus 198. Just outside of that, you talked about Austin Dillon having the bad finish there, uh, having to exit the car. He is now 204 back and is in the 17th spot. And rookie Tyler Reddick, 10th, is at minus 223. And the reason to go through the top 16 there, that's your playoff cutoff. But right now, that 12th spot is also a very key position. Because each race, when you redraw for starting position, it's grouped by 12s. So last week, Jimmy Johnson was 13th in points, ended up drawing, I believe, 22nd or 23rd, come out on a very short end. Now he's back into that top 12, very important for the redraw of starting position at Miami Homestead.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, These drivers uh, are very aware of that with this modified format than NASCAR is using since coming back after the COVID-19 break. So um, now Homestead Miami is also going to be a track where fans are going to be, uh, some fans are going to be allowed to attend. So that's going to be one of the interesting things from uh, this weekend as well.
1: It certainly is. And Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, believe it is 500 military members from the Andrews Air Force Base there.
0: Yeah, we'll kind of get into those specifics uh when we do that preview uh that's coming up here, but uh yeah, just just kind of a comparison there. One of the things that I think may also made uh Martinsville kind of interesting and more interesting than what it normally is because it's always a good race is that it started during the day but ended at night, which caused the crew chiefs and everybody to have to um Uh, Make those changes to accommodate The changes on the track
1: Well and we certainly Saw that uh, as tire wear came in Again it was a relatively green track They did have a rain shower in the morning uh, Or the evening prior so again it was A green track so although The outside lane is never Ideal at a track like Martinsville um, We did see it work on several Occasions and it got better throughout the Race so there again that is one that, That always does add that Element into a longer race And we talked about that on Hot Topics on Monday night Of that longer race you got to be prepared for that to keep up With the track
0: Exactly right Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on Now to the Arca Menards Series, Uh, the Arca East Is going to be returning back To the racetrack this weekend At Toledo Speedway For the Earth's Potato Chips 200 presented by Federated um, I just Federated Car Care. All right, now this is a half-mile paved oval, and uh, they are racing on Saturday, June the 13th, at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Now, if fans want to watch this race. If you've got Track Pass on NBC Gold, you'll be able to watch it at 6 p.m. Central time. That would be 7 p.m. Eastern time. If not. You can, I think they're still doing the um, live timing and scoring over at the ARCA racing site. So you could check that out during the race. But otherwise, NBC Sports Network will have the delayed broadcast on Thursday, June the 18th at 3 p.m. So uh, you'll want to set your uh, DVRs for that race if you're not able to watch the live streaming. Uh, They will have uh, practice. Uh, they're going to open the garage at 9. They'll have a practice session from about 2.45 to 3.30 p.m. and qualifying at 4.45 p.m. So uh, the race, again, will start at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Well, yeah, in one place it says Eastern time, in another place it says Central. So now I'm confused. Do you know which it is, Jay?
1: <laughs> uh, but I, thought it, I thought it was actually uh... – 7 Eastern, 6 Central, but I am not 100% on that either because you're right, it does have it listed two different ways.
0: (laughs) Okay, so check your local listings uh, would probably be the very best thing to do. Um, uh, And check out uh, Track Pass on NBC Gold uh, for that race. Okay, now we do have um, the entry list for that race, and that's pretty cool because uh, this entry list Uh, is uh, pretty good considering that they've been off for quite a while. They do have 15 drivers on the entry list. Uh, So we'll probably do a quick rundown of uh, those drivers. And maybe the – well, yeah, let's do a quick rundown of the drivers that are on that list. If you want to start with the top five, I'll do the next ten and so on.
1: All right. Uh, Starting there in the number one car will be Max McLaughlin with the uh, Shigui Hattori Racing. Then you have the Rev Racing, the number four. That'll be Chase Cabaret and Nick Sanchez in the number six. Now, listed as the number 10 is Andy Hillenberg's team with a driver to be announced. In the 17 is Taylor Gray, uh, which is a DGR Crossley machine, I believe. Yeah, at least David Gillen as the owner. Those are your
0: first five. Okay, I wonder if you're looking at the same listing that I am um, because I have <laughs> different names here. Okay, um, I show Taylor Gray as a sixth driver, so I'm trying to figure out who you missed. Did, did you get Mike Basham in the number 11 car for Handy Hillenburg?
1: Okay, my list does not have that, no. Let me see if I can find okay. the same okay. list you're looking at.
0: Mike Basham is on this list uh in, the, in number 11, a car, car for Andy Hillenburg. Uh, in fifth place, I have Bob Palowski in the number 11 E car for his own racing team. Uh, and then, let's see, six he already mentioned, Taylor Gray for David Gilliland. And then Ty Gibbs is racing for that Joe Gibbs Racing Group uh, with uh, Mark McFarland as his crew chief. In number eight place is Ryan Repko for the Venturini Motorsports Group, uh, so he's going to be racing the number uh, twenty car for them. Number nine is uh, in the number twenty-one car is the series points leader Sam Mayer, racing with GMS Racing, and number ten on my list is Brett Holmes in that number twenty-three car for his own race team with Dave's Shane Huffman as his crew chief.
2: Oh, All
1: right. On the same list as you now, this one is a little more updated okay. than the one, one I was looking at. So, Levin's will be uh, Mason Diaz in the number 25 with the Venturini Motorsports. The 42 will be Parker Retzlaff with uh, Bruce Cook as his crew chief in the number 42 Toyota. He's and then we have Bruce Brad Cook Smith is the owner. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a, that. You're right. That's the owner. I read uh, crew chief would be uh, Charles Hoffman. Uh, Brad Smith and his cell phone team With uh, John Ward The number 48 Chevrolet The 74 rookie Giovanni Bramani um, With Stephen Keller As the crew chief And the last entry there Justin S. Carroll And the number one Toyota With Jim Long as a crew chief
0: Okay So that's the group of drivers That are going to be racing uh, This weekend at Toledo Speedway And um Uh, it's important to note here a couple of things. Uh, They are going to have uh, qualifying, so there's two consecutive laps for qualifying. No adjustment or repairs can be made on the car after taking the green flag at the start-finish line, and all cars have to make a qualifying attempt, and all drivers must practice before they can qualify. So we mentioned earlier that there's a practice session that day as well. So that's going to be uh, really important. Uh, no, uh, during a race pit stop, they, no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race is started. Uh, a maximum of four crew members can service the car, and no tires of fuel can be outside, added outside of the scheduled breaks. Uh, they are racing 200 laps, 100 miles, uh, and that's going to be run in three segments. So they'll have two breaks. The first break is going to be at or near the conclusion of lap 75, with the second at or near the conclusion of lap 150. At the conclusion of the break, lead lap vehicles that elected to pit will line up in the order they were running at the beginning of the break, behind the lead lap vehicles that elected not to pit in the order of running. So the maximum tire allotment, again, for this event are four tires for practice, four tires for qualifying, and to start the race, plus an additional six for a total of 14 tires for the event. So there's some other info for fans to be aware of regarding the race at Toledo Speedway.
1: And one thing I wanted to look at here, uh, going back to the page I was on, now let me see if I can find it back, um, some of the previous races at Toledo as I was scanning over that list, well, that's not the same list it had. All right, here we go. The last 10 races at Toledo, Ty Dillon, Chris Busher back-to-back years in 2011-2012, Ken Trader, Justin Boston, Todd Gillen, Myatt Schneider, Harrison Burton, Zane Smith, and Chandler Smith. If you look at that list of names, you know where they're at. Up in NASCAR's top three levels So I think that's a key factor to look at Especially when we're talking about a track like Toledo
0: Exactly Uh, It should also be noted Sam Mayer is in this race With GMS Racing He wrapped up uh, last year's title At Dover International Speedway With a win And then he started right where he left off with a victory in the season opener At New Smyrna Speedway in February uh, So he is going to be Coming to Toledo now Where he finished 5th last year uh, In the Arkham Art Series race That was held there Mayor won't be the only driver Saturday With experience though At the uh, High Bank Half Mile Ty Gibbs was 2nd to Chandler Smith In last May When they ran, ran there But that race again was cut short by rain. So uh, uh, those two drivers, I think, are going to be two drivers to keep an eye on this year.
1: Well, most certainly. And if Reddy ready, we'll lead into the points there. You mentioned it's only been one race of the 2020 season for this Arkham Menards East Series. Uh, Sam, there being your points leader with that win. But two points back was Derek Griffith. Now, he wasn't on the entry list that we just gave you. Third place, though, five points back, Ty Gibbs. Uh, you mentioned his good run there. Nick Sanchez sits in fourth at minus seven. Giovanni, Giovanni Bermani at minus eight in the fifth spot. The next five, you got six with Steven Nassi at minus nine, not on the entry list. Corey Heim also not on at minus 10. Parker Retzklaff at minus 11. Chase Cabra at minus 12 and Max McLaughlin at minus 13. Now, there you heard, one point difference almost all the way down, but several of those drivers, two, uh, Stephen Nassi and Derek Griffith, for sure, not on the entry list for this race. So that means there's going to be some movement here in the point standings, which could be huge.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, you mentioned Giovanni Bramonti, the fact that he is a rookie this season in his very first race. <laughs> Excuse me. I've got the hiccups. In his very first race, his season debut at New Smyrna, he had a very strong fifth-place showing, so uh, he could be one to watch this weekend as well. Now, the driver with the most racing success during the time away from on-track activity has been Parker Retzlaff. Uh, that 17-year-old from Rhinelander, Wisconsin, brought home a top-ten finish at New Smyrna. He then swept eight racing events four Grand National Tour and four NASCAR Roots Wheel and Modified Tour against some of the top regional and international series drivers during the stay at home phase of the pandemic. Another driver, Taylor Gray, the fifteen year old brother of NASCAR Gander R V and Outdoor Truck Series driver, Tanner Gray, is slated to me making his debut at Toledo. So uh, those are all names uh, that you'll come to recognize in the race this weekend.
1: Most certainly, and one more time, there you mentioned uh, Giovanni Bra- Giovanni Bramani. Giovanni. Uh, there's an article up on the Arca Menard's homepage that you can check out and learn a little bit more about him as he is focused on this return to racing now.
0: Yes, uh, and they do such a good job. They've got a great way how they've broken it down between the and Art Series, the Arca East, the Arca West, and the Sioux Chiefs Showdown. So uh, uh, now I know the and Art Series is going to be racing also at Talladega Super Speedway the following weekend as well. So uh, we'll be talking about the and Art Series next week too.
1: And it's good to see. Uh, I know that that one has been a little bit slower to start their their schedule, a little bit tougher with the where their races are spread out. Again, at the Midwest a little bit tighter on their uh, openings, um, so have to see how they can manage that. But good to see here the East at least back on track this weekend, and again the main Ard series is going to be on track at Talladega.
0: Okay, so a lot to look forward to there. Uh, for race fans of the Arkham Menards series. Uh, So definitely check that out this Saturday, June the 13th. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on, Jay, Uh, unless you have something more that you wanted to mention here.
1: No, just looking forward to seeing them on track. Uh, Again, we we always like to cover the, the East and West series of the Arkham Menards. Uh, again, it's that stepping stone. These are the names you're going to see at NASCAR's top level come sooner or later.
0: Do you have a favorite uh, for the win this week?
1: Well, um, <laughs> we'll flip the coin. I know if I take one, you're going to take the other. I'll start with, I have to go with the defending champion, Sam Mayer. I mean, he has been so strong to start the season. Until somebody derails that momentum, I see it as Sam Mayer.
0: Okay, and I guess that leaves me with uh, going with Ty Gibbs. (laughs) and (laughs) That's the the one I figured
1: would be the other one, yes.
0: (laughs) So so Ty Gibbs uh, is also a good driver to keep your eye on this weekend. Uh, He has come in second so many times, it's unbelievable. But he's also won a few races, so uh, definitely looking forward to see what he does at uh, Toledo Speedway this weekend. All right, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and get into the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. Their next race is the Baptist Health 200 at Homestead Miami Speedway. Again, this Saturday, June the 13th, this race is at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time with coverage on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, they'll be racing a distance of 201 miles over one hundred and thirty four laps. Stage one will end on lap thirty, stage two on lap sixty, and of course the last stage of the race ends on the last lap. So last year's winner, Jay, was Austin Hill.
1: Well, and there's certainly no reason we couldn't see that again. I was just checking here. Do we not have the full NASCAR news and notes?
0: No, we don't. Okay, uh, this I just wanted to double-check previous. that.
1: Okay. Um at Homestead Miami Speedway has hosted twenty four NASCAR Gander RV and outdoor truck series races dating back to the first event on it event won by dra- driver Dave Rosendi's in a Jeffrey Vodine owned Ford F one fifty. I love doing some of these notes, the some of the names that they bring back and some of the memories that come back with it. Uh Dave is <laughs> a name I haven't heard in a long time.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, the 24 series races have produced 19 different pole winners and 22 different race winners.
1: Well, and the two that top that list, Todd Bodine and Kyle Busch, imagine that, Kyle Busch at the top of the list, uh, lead this series with wins (laughs) at Homestead, Miami, with two each.
0: Okay, the youngest winner at Homestead is William Byron uh at uh that was on november the 18th of 2016 when he was just 18 years 11 months and 20 days and the oldest is mark martin on uh october the 17th of 2006 when he was 47 years 10 months and eight days so your youngest and oldest winners at uh homestead miami
1: now, I know uh, this is going to be a little off as far as the stat, but four times the Gander Trucks race at Homestead has been won from the pole or the first starting position, most recent in 2017 race won by Chase Briscoe. Keeping in mind, the trucks are not qualifying yet at this point either, so there's, it will be a random right. draw as well. So it is not necessarily determined by speed, but starting up front definitely gives you an advantage.
0: Absolutely. Now, Kyle Busch leads the series in laps led at Homestead with 312 is, uh, laps led in just eight starts. Now, uh, I'm going to scroll up here. Uh, ben Rhodes, and we'll, start, we'll go from the bottom up, Jay. Uh, ben Rhodes, the 23-year-old driver of the number 99 for Thor Sport Racing Ford, has top 10 finishes in his last three races He's ranked fifth in the championship. He's 35 points behind Hill, and he's got one top ten in four previous starts at Homestead.
1: All right. We talked about the sensational year so far. Zane Smith, driver of the number 21 GMS Racing Chevrolet, second in the championship, 21 points behind Hill. Now, he'll be making his Homestead Miami Speedway debut on Saturday. The 21-year-old, comes to South Florida with top 10 finishes in the last three races, including a best of third place on the 1.5-mile Charlotte Oval.
0: Okay, we've talked about some of the newer guys in the series. Let's talk about some of the uh, more veteran guys, starting with Johnny Sauter, driver of the number 13 Thor Sport Racing Ford F-150, he comes to Homestead abundantly motivated. An inspection violation just last week at Atlanta dropped the veteran from a top-10 finish to dead last on the scoring sheet. Instead of being ranked among the top five in the title run, he was second. Now he is eighth. So not only does he have that previous win at Homestead, he has nine top-10 finishes and 13 starts, including five, of just the last six races.
1: Well, I know we don't expect to see that happen often where he is a DQ'd or has to finish that far back, so expect to see a return with Johnny Sauter. Now, Matt Grafton, yeah. he's driver of the number 88 Thor Sport Racing Ford, is still trying to raise his title defense game. He's only top 10 through four races, is a fourth place at Las Vegas, and he's currently ranked 11th in the standings. However, he's got an impressive homestead resume with 11 top 10 finishes in 19 starts and not a single DNF. Saturday night may just be what the three-time series champion needs to establish himself as a contender yet again.
0: Okay, Moffitt is ranked fourth in the championship points. He's 31 points behind Hill, the driver of the number 23 GMS Chevrolet, and he has two top five finishes and two starts at Homestead, including a fifth place last year in addition to his 2018 victory. His average finish is an impressive 3.0. We'll mention Grant Infinger, and then I think we need to move on, Jay.
1: All right. Uh, Grant Enfinger, who bettered Hill last week at Atlanta on a green-white checkered restart to settle the race in overtime, is now 2-for-4 on the season, also winning the Daytona season opener. Enfinger has a solid Homestead Miami record, as well as three top-ten finishes in the last four races. His best showing was a runner-up finish in 2018 after starting from the pole position, and he's currently third in the championship, 31 points off of Hill's pace.
0: All right. So, a lot to look forward to in this race at uh, Homestead Miami for the NASCAR Gandra RV and Outdoor Truck Series, the Baptist Health 200. Okay, now we're going to move on to the Xfinity Series. Uh, we'll spend a little bit more time there. Okay, here it is the Xfinity Series race, the Hooters 250 at Homestead Miami Speedway. Again, Saturday, June the 13th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That race will be covered on Fox, as well as MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250.5 miles over 167 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 40, stage 2 on lap 80, and the last stage, of course, ends on the last lap lap 167. Last year's race winner at Homestead, Miami, Tyler Ruddick.
1: All right. Some things to watch for this weekend with the Xfinity Series. They've competed at the Homestead, Miami Speedway 25 times, dating back to the first race in 1995 won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett.
0: In total, the series has produced 20 different pole winners and 18 different race winners in the 25 races. Two-time series champion Tyler Reddick has won the last two series races at Homestead, Miami.
1: And one record there to look at, Joe Nemechek leads the series in wins at the Speedway with three. Again, the youngest
0: winner. Yeah, really. Uh, the youngest winner at Homestead Miami is Cole Custer and in November the 18th of 19, uh, 2017. He was 19 years, 9 months and 26 days. The oldest winner is Matt Kenseth on November the 15th of 2014 at 42 years, 8 months and 5 days.
1: All right, of the twenty five races at Homestead, four of them have been won from the full fo- from the pole or that first starting position. Again, the most recent driver to accomplish that feat was Tyler Reddick in twenty nineteen.
0: Now Kyle Bush leads the series in laps led with four hundred and eighty seven in nine starts at Homestead and Miami Speedway. All right, uh, again we'll work from the bottom up here. Um Okay, the dash for cash pony, um, pony, the dash for cash bonus money, um, uh, will be beloved and see some beloved and familiar drivers on the kit, on the grid. There are no shortage uh, for the busy South Florida weekend of competition. So uh, we'll kind of cover each of those drivers here.
1: All right, I am trying to find where you're at with that one. Uh, okay, let's okay, go back that's up here. We
0: go.
1: Start. Start with Gregson. I
0: know. Yeah.
1: All right, Gregson arrives in Homestead, a hundred thousand dollars richer, having earned the first of the Xfinity Dash for Cash prize money last weekend in Atlanta. That makes himself the race winner and former NASCAR series standout AJ Allmendinger, runner-up. I'm sorry, runner-up Gregson Third place, Justin Haley And fourth place, Daniel Hemrick As eligible for the big payout In this Sunday's race Now keeping in mind, there's two races at Homestead Saturday and Sunday The Dash for Cash race will be the one on Sunday
0: Right They are not both Dash for Cash races Okay, now keep in mind too Series rookie 19-year-old Harrison Burton Who earned his first career Xfinity Series victory at California in early March is right now ranked third. He's 32 points off Bristol's pace, Briscoe's pace. He's followed closely by veteran Justin Algauer, who's 43 points back, and South Florida native Ross Chastain, 45 points back, followed by Austin Sindrick, who is 55 points back. So uh, I would believe that all of those drivers are going to be racing hard at homestead
1: well and we've seen it nascar uh, i'm sorry tyler reddick now the nascar cup series rookie contender is the two-time defending homestead race winner but he has moved on and there's plenty of talent ready to hoist one or both of the trophies available in this unprecedented track doubleheader the top six in the xfinity series driver point standings have proven themselves the class of the field weekly keeping that competition close on track and statistically. Uh, two-race winner Chase Briscoe holds a four-point edge on two-race uh, winner Noah Gregson atop the championship, each winning a race prior to the COVID-19 pandemic break in action and then each winning a race after the return to competition. Now, neither is one at Homestead Miami. However, Briscoe, driver of the number 98 Stuart Haas Racing Ford, has a best showing of third place last year. Gregson, who drives the number nine junior motorsports Chevrolet, finished fourth in his only Xfinity Series race at the track in 2019.
0: Okay, now the good news for NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers is that no former Uh, Homestead Miami Speedway driver will be contending in the highly anticipated weekend doubleheader. But one of the sport's most talented and definitely most popular racers, Dale Earnhardt Jr., will be racing for one of the two trophies up for grabs in what should be an exciting showcase for the series' competitive flair. Now, Earnhardt is a two-time NASCAR Xfinity Series champion, and he's making his only Uh, scheduled start for this season in Saturday's Hooters 250. The series uh, answers that race with the Consumer Boats 250 on Sunday. That race will be at 12 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1, as well as MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, where $100,000 is on the line in the Dash for Cash incentive program. The racing has been intense. The finishes have been close. And there are no drivers on either Saturday or Sunday's field that have ever won an Xfinity Series race at the 1.5 mile South Florida track, which previously hosted the championship weekend. So that's kind of interesting, Jay.
1: Well, and I think it's going to make both of these races uh, very entertaining. Because, again, you mentioned that being the championship weekend in November. Uh, I know early on, Miami Homestead, or Homestead Miami hosted a race early in the season, but never during this mid-summer time frame. So that track could be entirely different when it comes to setups needed and how slick it gets.
0: Okay, we've got a couple minutes here, Jay. Do you have time to do uh, a little bit of a fan for Racing Fantasy uh, uh, update?
1: I sure do. Let me flip a couple pages here. Um, go ahead, and we'll start with the truck series. I know we already did their preview. So with that, uh, this past weekend, Sharon took over the points lead at, at 14 points. Owen is at 13. Andy's tied with him at 13. The next group down, we've got a couple of ties. James and Sam are tied at 9. And myself and Mike are tied at 7. And as we rolled out our picks for this weekend, I believe it was Sam that got to start this one, took Zane Smith. I took Kyle Bush. Um, let's see who went next. Mike came in with Grant Enfinger. Tyler Ankrum went next to Owen. And Chase Elliott went to Andy. Sharon took Ben Rhodes. And James wrapped up after his uh, top finish last weekend, picking Christian Eckes. So that'll definitely be uh interesting there again. Love it when we have all three series on the track in one weekend.
0: No kidding. That's pretty cool. Uh and I got a no. feeling the points are going to be back and forth, right?
1: <laughs> uh, they most certainly are. Again, the truck series what we only had what four four races in, so and they were pretty tight as is. Uh the Xfinity series Now, this one's a little more interesting. Again, with that doubleheader, races two days apart, we went ahead and you had to pick a driver for both both races. It could be the same driver for both or separate drivers. This is one of the weeks I unfortunately did good last week and had to go last, so a little bit of a disadvantage there, but we'll take a look at how it plays out. Um, I'll give you the points first. This one, the series lead is Andy with 31 Sharon's at 25, Sam at 24, myself at 22. Owen and Mike are tied at 14, and James at 8. So, Jan, a little bit, a few more races, but still pretty tight points gap there, especially at the top. And with that, uh, Mike started us off there. He went with Austin Sindrick for both races. Owen picked second. He chose two drivers. I'm glad I see that now because that would have... Almost double-picked. Anyway, uh, Owen took Brandon Jones in the first one and Riley Herbst in the second, sticking with JGR. James is one that really, I'd say, messed me up but interfered with my plans. But going last, my plans were going to change multiple times, I'm sure. He took Noah <laughs> Gregson in the first race and Daniel Hemrick in the second one, which my plan was to use Dale Jr. and Daniel Daniel Hemrick, but I don't have either of those options as the next one went to Andy, he stuck to his guns. He went Chase Briscoe, doubled up both races. Sam also took the same driver of both races in Justin Allgaier. Now, Sharon, that's where Dale Earnhardt comes into play, and I didn't, she shushed Andy as much as I did when he was saying who could still be picked because I knew he hadn't <laughs> gone yet. But Sharon got to go before me, took Dale Earnhardt in the first race and Harrison Burton in the second one. Now, with that, going last, I said I had to pick from what was left, but I think I still got some great picks, taking (laughs) Ross Chastain in the first race and Noah Gregson in the second one to go back-to-back in the dash for cash.
0: All right, so pretty interesting stuff there in our uh, fan for racing. We've got uh, maybe a couple more minutes here. Do you have time to do an update on the cup?
1: All right, I certainly can. On the cup side, this one is super tight, and this one has changed the points lead every time, and I think Sharon went from either first or second down to fourth. I now lead okay. at 45 points. Owen is at 42. Andy's at 40, and Sharon, you're at 39. James is coming up behind with 24, and Mike at 17. Again, Mike got started a little bit later, so give him credit for that. He has worked his way up quite nicely, though. Uh, for the picks, and this one and I believe picked. James picked this up. I don't know if you up. saw that. What's that? Mike just
0: picked. Mike just picked oh, the I top, did not. so I don't know if you
1: saw that. Okay. I, ha- I had not, so I'll get that one at the end. Um, James started us off with Kevin Harvick. And Andy was next with Chase Elliott. Ooh, who went next? Sharon came next with Martin Truex. That was followed by Joey Logano going to Sam. I went with Denny Hamlin. And then Owen went with Kyle Busch. And that leaves Mike with the final pick. And he just selected Alex Bowman. (laughs) All right. Let me get that in my notes real quick here then while I'm doing that.
0: Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Okay. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Now, you gave the overall points,
1: or have you? I have not. I'll give you the the total. Uh, Andy still has a decent lead there. Well, I guess not decent, decent, but 84 points. Sharon is second at 78. That's only six points. I'm four behind that at 74. Owen is next at 69. Then is Sam at 67. James is at 41. And Mike at 38. So, Again, that's the overall.
0: Okay, now how did I get so far ahead of myself here, Jay? Did I cut it short somewhere?
1: No, I know without having the, the full NASCAR news and notes we didn't have a whole lot for each uh each series there but um, I know we can go back I just through if you want to tell you.
0: I'm way ahead. Here. Um we just did the Xfinity series, right? Or did we just do the truck?
1: No, we did both of them yeah, we already, did
0: the dash- yeah, we did both of them already, okay, so we're we're a good portion ahead of ourselves. I'm gonna go back and just check and see if there's anything we missed from the um from either one of these series uh, okay,
1: While you're looking through any notes there that you might have uh I'm gonna hit the the points I know we didn't necessarily cover the points following each one, so. I'll start with the truck series as soon as I can find it and go over the points heading into Homestead, Miami. Make sure I pull up the right one there. All right, for the uh, NASCAR Gander and RV Outdoor Truck Series point standings, four races complete now so far this year. Austin Hill is still your leader at 163 total points. 21 points back, we mentioned Zane Smith as a rookie. Third place, there would be a two-time winner, Grant Infinger, but is 31 points back. He is in a tie with Brett Moffitt. Uh, obviously, Infinger gets the edge with the wins. Fifth place is Ben Rhodes. He is 35 points back. Christian Eck, he's another rookie. And again, we'll see that rookie battle really heat up as the season goes, I think. He's 38 points back in sixth. Seventh is Sheldon Creed, minus 46. Johnny Sauter is 55 back in eighth. Derek Krause, a third rookie in ninth at minus 56. And one more point back is that tenth and final spot in the truck series for cutoff for playoffs, he's at minus 57. There's a little bit of a gap there, but you got last year championship contender drivers, Matt Crafton at minus 65, tied with Tyler Ankrum. Stuart Friesen is minus 76. And then another pair of rookies. Actually, three more rookies. Wow. Um, Tanner Gray in 14th is minus 77. Raphael Lessard at minus 79. And Ty Majeski at minus 81. So some great drivers that are still just outside. And, again, the truck race is only four races in. We'll see these teams uh, really start to find their groove. Yes,
0: indeed. It's going to be an interesting uh Interesting year for the uh, Gander RV Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, Now, did you look at the wins there? The first uh, 11, let me see, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, the first 11 drivers, is that true? No, that's top fives. Okay, I'm looking at the wrong list here. Grant Infigure really is the only driver who has any wins in this truck series. He has two.
1: That's right, because, uh, again, Kyle Busch won at Las Vegas and then Chase Elliott over Kyle Busch at Atlanta.
0: Okay. Uh, did you give the uh, point standings for the uh, Xfinity Series, Jay?
1: No, nope. Let me uh, try and find that one. one of the well, I've got it
0: here. I'll it. at least get it started. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, go At ahead. the top, you've got Chase Briscoe in the number 98 Uh, He has two wins on the season. He's at 340 points. Four points behind him is Noah Gregson in second place. Uh, He is uh, at 336 points, also with two wins. Then it's Harrison Burton in third place. He's the rookie of the group. He is uh, at 308 points. He has one win. Then we start with the drivers who have zero wins. That would be Justin Algauer in that number seven Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. Uh, Ross Chastain in the number 10 for Colleague Racing at 295 points to Justin Algauer's 297. So that's how close that is. But neither one of them have a victory if you want to do the next five, Jay.
1: All right. Sixth place would be Austin Sendrick, uh minus 55 back. Justin Haley, another colleague racing in the number 11, 73 back. Eighth is Brandon Jones at minus 82. Now, Jones does have one race win. And then Daniel Hemrick, with only seven races under his belt, is actually a ninth at minus 118. Tenth place will be Ryan Sieg at minus 123, having a great start to the season.
0: Okay, and then you take a look at the next two drivers who are above the cutoff line. They are Riley Herbst in the number eighteen Toyota. He's at two hundred and one points, one hundred and thirty nine back, and Brandon Brown uh, in the number sixty eight uh, Chevy at one hundred and he's one hundred and forty two points back. Says one hundred and ninety eight. And 199 points, okay, I see now, and he's 141 points back then. Uh, those drivers do not have wins.
1: And I like the group that is just outside that cutoff then. Again, an annual contender, junior motorsports team number one, Michael Annette is at minus 142, only one point out. A little bit of a gap there to Josh Williams at minus 176, and Myatt Snyder at minus 188. But we've seen, again, not 100% sure on Daniel Hemmert's qualifications for the championship, as he will miss a second race this weekend with Dale Earnhardt Jr. driving mm-hmm. that number eight car. So that'll affect that. Um, so that battle there is still going to be, and we've seen some great runs by Josh Williams and Myatt Snyder, and then Alex LeBay, I think, is the next one at minus
0: 198. <laughs> yes. Uh, again, a lot of things can happen in these uh in the season, especially with the season being uh, modified and and changed up quite a bit this year, uh, NASCAR really has to be on their toes for all of this. Uh, the races have all been announced through August the second, and so uh, uh, we'll kind of be waiting uh, for the month ahead or a month or so ahead uh, for that next installment of races that would get us into the 10 race playoff. And I kind of think what I've been hearing on that, Jay, is that the 10 race playoff is probably going to be pretty much as is.
1: Well, I know that was their hope initially uh, when they looked at it, was to get all the races they needed to in before that, however they needed to. But the the plan was to have those final 10. Hopefully by that time states with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic have settled uh, – calmed down and and been able to get under control and we've seen the the different things that you know businesses in your local town and nascar is doing a phenomenal job of screening um as we take those steps to reintegrate into i say society but open uh, open the world back up if you will um the steps that are being taken and hopefully uh prevent this from becoming a major issue like it did this time
0: exactly All right, Uh, now we'll get into, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. We're probably going to have a little bit of time left over at the end of this as well. Um, But uh, the Dixie Vodka 400 will be at Homestead Miami Speedway on Sunday, June the 14th starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, Fox will start their pre-race coverage at 3 p.m. Eastern, as will MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400.5 miles over 267 laps. Stage 1 will end on lap 80, stage 2 on lap 160, and the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 267. Last year's race winner is none other than Kyle Bush.
1: <laughs> well, and that's going to be a really interesting thing to look at for this weekend, because, again, in the past years, Homestead Miami winner has determined the champion. Not the case this year, and, again, we're running during a little bit warmer weather. So I'm really intrigued by yeah. how much that is going to change the track. Now, one thing to watch for, mm-hmm. uh, the Speedway has mm-hmm. hosted 21 Cup Series races Dating back to 1999,
0: the 21 series events have produced 14 different pole winners and 14 different race winners. Greg Biffle and NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart lead the series with three victories each.
1: And I can't I can't help but think, going back to that Tony Stewart, uh, that was prior to the uh, format the way it is now. Where essentially mm-hmm. that final race comes down to determining a championship. Same with Greg Biffle. Uh so keep that in mind when we're talking about those. Now, right now leading all active drivers in wins at Homestead Miami, that'd be Denny Hamlin and Kyle Bush each having a pair.
0: Okay. Now let me just kind of backtrack just a little bit. Tony Stewart I think has raced under the chase format because uh, I remember him saying he had no business being in the chase and then he went on to win five of those ten races in that chase format. So I, I know Tony Stewart that, has done that.
1: But at that time it was still the points over those ten races, not the elimination style of getting the Miami uh, winner take off.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So
1: you, you are correct. You are correct. He did. You had all those stats right, and you're right. I remember that quite vividly, and I believe that was uh, who was the crew chief he let go? Darian Grubb, and on his way Darian up, Grubb. won the championship with him. Yep.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, I, I, I say that just to provide clarification, because uh, the current chase format is a little bit different than what it was then, but we did have HHS format. Okay, now the youngest um, the youngest series homestead winner is Kurt Bush on November the seventeenth, and two thousand two. He was twenty four years, three months, and thirteen days. And the oldest is Bill Elliott on November eleventh, two thousand one, at forty six years, one month, and three days.
1: Yeah. Well, since, since we're obviously going to have, have some time here, i want to throw a little commentary in on that. We look at all the other ages we've seen when you give the youngest driver. Homestead, Miami's youngest dri- winner is, was 24 years at the time, Kurt Busch. How many, how mm-hmm. many others have we seen 21, 22, and 23? So what does that exactly. tell you about maybe making the, looking at your picks for this weekend?
0: hmm. That's a good point.
1: All right, two of the 21 NASCAR Cup Series races, uh, 9.5% at Homestead Miami, have been won from the poll, Bill Elliott in 2001 and Kurt Busch in 2002. Now, that's kind of an ironic stat there. In this case, only two of them have been come from the poll versus we've seen the numbers in other ones. It's been a majority here. It's a severe minority.
0: Yeah, it, it really is amazing. Now, Denny Hamlin won the 2009 race from the 38th place starting position. That's the furthest back a race winner has started at Homestead Miami Speedway and was able to uh, bring home a victory. So on the other end look of the at, spectrum there.
1: When we look at organizations, there we have seven different organizations to have won at the Cup Series at the Speedway. Rouse Fenway Racing... And Joe Gibbs Racing lead the series in wins at Homestead Miami with, uh, excuse me, seven victories each. So that one, too, again, kind of a stronghold on it by organization, specifically a couple of drivers there that we heard mentioned Kyle Bush and going back to the Roush Fenway racing days of Greg Biffle.
0: Okay. Now I'm looking at this. I'm trying to figure out where the break is. Um, Okay, I believe that, uh, let me start with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is the reigning champion at Homestead Miami, having won the 2019 title with a valiant and dramatic drive in last year's series and finale at Homestead. He and Joe Gibbs Racing teammate. Denny Hamlin, a two-time winner this season, are the only active drivers to win multiple times at Homestead, Miami. In fact, there hasn't been another back-to-back winner since Greg Biffle won three straight from 2004 to 2006. Among the trio looking to break into the win column this weekend and solidify a playoff position, Kyle Busch, who's ranked ninth now in points, boasts the back Becker- record at homestead miami the driver of the 18 for joe gibbs racing has eight top 10 finishes and 15 starts with wins in 2015 and 19 earning him the championship trophies he's led laps in the last five races there his older brother kurt bush who's ranked 10th in the championship has seven top 10 finishes in 19 Homestead starts, punctuated with a win from the pole position in 2002, the last time a driver won from the pole at that track. Now, the driver of the number one for Chip Ganassi Chevrolet hasn't led a lap at Homestead, however, since 2014. He finished 21st there last year. Blaney, who is sixth in the championship standings, wouldn't count Homestead as one of his best tracks historically, The driver of the number 12 team, Penske Ford, has yet to earn a top 10 in five starts there and has never led a lap. However, Blaney's 11th place finish last fall is his best showing to date. Among those hovering atop the series championship ranking is another former Homestead winner, Jimmy Johnson, who 70 laps led at Martinsville on Wednesday night, were the most in a race for him since 2017. Johnson, who's ranked 11th in the standings, won at Homestead in 2016 to claim his record-tying 7th NASCAR Cup Series championship. The driver of the number 48 for Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet has 11 top 10 finishes and 19 starts at the track. However, the last top 10 came in his 2016 title-making win. I didn't quite break that quite right, Jay.
1: (laughs) Here, um, As the Cup Series arrives at hopefully the sunny Homestead-Miami Speedway for Sunday's Dixie Vodka 400, (coughs) there'll be a distinctively different vibe. Again, drivers establishing early season success versus hoisting that championship trophy. Now, the facility which hosted the sports championship weekend for 18 years. Wow, I didn't realize it had been that long. 2002 to 2019. My, how time flies. i am um, totally lost my spot now. That's what happens when you get old. I didn't realize I was that old. Uh, this, okay, the facility, which has hosted the sports championship weekend for 18 years. That blows my mind. As now an important player in setting the stage, though, instead of dropping the curtain and it's going to be a new challenge for the drivers and teams that they seemed eager to take on. On Joe Gibbs Racing, Martin Truex Jr., he hoisted the most recent series trophy, picking up that win in Wednesday night's race at Martinsville Speedway, the seventh different driver to win throughout the opening 11 races. It was especially big for Truex's number 19 team, as it was the first victory with new crew chief James Small. Truex's confidence that the dose of victory will be important in carrying the team forward to a title. On the other side of that, still three drivers ranked among the top ten in the NASCAR Cup Series Championship, looking for their first win. Sharon covered them. Truex's Martinsville runner-up, Ryan Blaney. And then the brothers, Kurt Kyle and Kurt Busch. And when uh pull-up go to the full uh, point standings there as we run down them.
0: Okay. I've got it here, Jay. Uh, All right. I'll go ahead and get started with Kevin Harvick at the top. Uh, Kevin Harvick is at 452 points. He has the two victories uh, this season, and, of course, he's leading uh, the series points total. Joey Logano in second at 424 points is 28 back, again with two wins. Then there's Chase Elliott, he is 405 points, 47 back, and with one win. And last night's winner, Martin Truex Jr., in fourth place with his one victory, is at 381 points. At 380 points, though, is Brad Keselowski in that top five position, uh, and he has two wins on the season.
1: All right, then again, we get to Ryan Blaney in sixth spot. No wins, 91 points back, but has been strong. Alex Bowman with one win, sitting in seventh at 352 points. 335 points is where Denny Hamlin sits with his two victories. Kyle Busch, who we have yet to see win this year, but I don't expect that to last long. Ninth in points, 326, is 126 points off the lead. And brother Kurt right behind him at 318, also No wins, but 134 points back.
0: Okay, continuing on to uh, the 16 drivers uh, inside the cutoff. Include Jimmy Johnson in the 11th place. He's at 301 points, 151 back. Uh, Jimmy has no wins so far this season, but seems to be knocking on the door. As is Clint Boyer in the number 12 spot uh, at 288 points. In 13th is Matt Benedetto. He's at 278 points back uh, with no wins. And then it's Eric Almirola in the number 10 car for Stuart Hawes Racing. He's at uh, 188 points back. Then it's Eric Jones uh, in the Toyota at 195 points back, and William Byron in the 16th uh, playoff spot, 16th place at 254 points, 198 back from the lead. Uh, Seems like uh, several of those drivers have been knocking on the door, but not quite there yet with a victory this season.
1: Well, and we've seen that. And then again, 17th, just outside, you have Austin Dillon, minus 204. And then starts your rookie brigade, Tyler Reddick, at minus 223 uh, in 18th. Then you got a couple here solid veteran drivers, uh Chris Busher swapping over to the uh number seventeen with Roush Fenway Racing at minus two thirty four, Bubba Wallace at minus two forty five, and at minus two fifty one, you have the other t- part of that swap, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. moving over to JTG Daughtery.
0: Yes. So uh it again. Let's talk about the race last night at uh, Martinsville and what you think we, we might expect at uh, Homestead, Miami. One thing that I think will happen, I think heat will be an issue, and in addition to the heat, it's going to be the humidity at Homestead, Miami.
1: Again, coincidentally, part of our uh, hot topic segment I had, but it most certainly is going to be a different challenge Um, And there's multiple parts to my hot topic with that, which we'll get to here coming up in about 20 minutes. But I think that is going to be a huge factor. And looking back at one of the stats we gave, uh, two pole sitters out of 25 races um, picking up the victory. Homestead Miami is one of those that you absolutely have to ride that ragged edge up against the wall. And we've seen drivers that are good at that and that might be a factor in that. You have the fast car, you start up front, push it a little too far, you scrub that wall, these cars are not as forgiving as the compact bodies that the Xfinity Series run, so that can come into play. And I think, again, under the warmer weather, we might see that even a little bit more so with the slicker track.
0: Yes, uh, that is so true. And uh, there's definitely going to be some changes because even though they're starting at 3.30 p.m., Eastern time um, there's it won't get completely dark I don't think I think it'll still be dusk or so when they quit uh, but I think there is going to be some track changes throughout the day at homestead Miami as well
1: the other the other thing I look at there is we talk about tracks where, where drivers especially with this no practice no qualifying that crew chiefs go into their notebooks Keeping in mind, Homestead Miami has only hosted one race per season for those 18 years. So, again, it's not a, it's a, as deep a notebook. And it's Correct. And, th- like I said, that definitely comes into play of time of year. But it's also not one that you can go back in history. It's not – the track hasn't been around as long. You only race that once a year um, versus some of these that run two a year. So, the
0: notebook isn't quite as deep. That That's true. That's a good point. So even their notebook is for an entirely different racing situation than what they're going to be doing uh, this weekend. Have you seen a weather forecast for Homestead, Miami for this weekend? I, know uh, I here, have not. Uh, the weather is supposed to be fairly decent.
1: But I'm a long uh, way away had, from Homestead. Yeah, I hadn't seen one. I know uh, Atlanta had a little bit of weather issues there. And, and Martinsville But uh, to the best of my knowledge I don't think weather should be a factor However Having been in the military and lived in the panhandle Of Florida anyway That's one of those of give it 10 minutes Because it can change if they do get a shower I think it would be one of those quick pass through And hopefully be minimal Track track drying time If is required
0: Okay uh, So we'll have to see I'm, I did pull up the weather for Miami Hodenstead, and I will say, I do see, I can't tell exactly when these are going to happen, but it looks like there is the chance of rain over the uh, weekend. So that's something for fans to be aware of as well, Um, going into the race this weekend. I wanted to see if I could see a radar. Uh, What they're saying is for... Tonight and tomorrow, there is a thunderstorm in spots, so there are a few uh, things on the radar here to be aware of going into the weekend, uh, and you never know what can happen with the weather, so keep your eye on that this weekend as well.
1: And that is what they call the the pop-up showers, if you will, which again, Florida is quite well known for. And I'm looking for, I know we mentioned it earlier, and I'm trying to find the article on it of fans being allowed to, a portion or some fans being allowed to attend. Oh,
0: yes, yes. Uh, I know they're taking 1,000 military personnel, and they're bringing them to the track this weekend. Uh, so that's uh, that's nice to see. And then at, uh, other fans that they're looking to bring in, are fans that are locally within a local proximity to the track. So uh keep that in mind as well. They are looking at those people who have already bought tickets, uh but uh NASCAR uh you know, has a long history of inviting and honoring military members. So this is just a continuation of that. Um the the military members they're inviting are representing the Homestead Air Reserve Base and the U.S. Southern Command in Doral.
1: Well, and I know NASCAR does a great job with that of, of supporting the military, and this is one of those great things that they do. And as a military member, a retired member, to, retired military member, certainly do appreciate that. But it is also one of the steps that they're taking. Uh, Like you said, they are inviting some other ones, starting with the locally. Again, travel restrictions and whatnot apply. And I appreciate the effort they are doing to start integrating that. And I know Talladega and I believe Talladega's is set at 5,000 is the next one that they are planning on allowing fans to attend.
0: Yes. And keep in mind, uh, you know, the the COVID-19 procedures will be in effect. So before Entering, all guests should expect to be screened uh, before they can enter the track. Uh, It's a requirement to wear a face covering. Uh, There's also the mandate for the social distancing at six feet, and there will be no access to the infield, among other revised operational procedures. Now, if you want to know more about what plans are in effect for each of those tracks, you want to go to their websites, uh, which is Homestead Miami Speedway and Talladega Super Speedway, we do have the links posted over at com under an article that is listed as NASCAR implements plans to welcome back guests at select tracks. So right now it's just Homestead and Talladega that have been announced for that, right, Jay? Uh, yes, far as
1: right. I've seen... And, again, you got to commend NASCAR. They're doing their due diligence in this, slowly opening it up. Uh, Again, 1,000 at Miami, 5,000 at Talladega. If you haven't been to Talladega, it's a 2.5-mile track. Obviously, you can spread fans out a little bit more so there. So, again, they're ensuring that six-feet social distancing. Um, But they're they're taking the steps and doing all the proper procedures to work with. I know local government is obviously a, a big factor as well as nationwide, but it's becoming more of a centralized down to states and counties, depending on what is going on in their specific area.
0: That is true. Uh, now, because we have a couple minutes here, uh, I do want to kind of bring this up. Uh, the Advanced Auto Parts is now going to be sponsoring the NASCAR Weekly Touring Series that was otherwise known as the Wheel and All-American Series. So that weekly touring series uh, is now being sponsored by the Advanced Auto Parts and will be known as the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series. Uh, so they've signed a multi-year agreement, and uh, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think they've done this in the past, uh, stepped away for a little bit, and now they're coming back. So uh, fans will remember when it was known as the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series.
1: I most certainly do, and it is great to see these sponsors coming back. And I know if you go to uh, a lot of what we get is from the j homepage, um, a couple of drivers uh, also having sponsors. With the whole COVID-19 affecting businesses, it's great to see the uh, sponsors coming back and, and new ones coming in, uh, some we haven't seen before. So I know there's been that fear of that, of, of what – might entail from that from the financial side as far as sponsorship. So it's really great to see that both from the series side as well as driver
0: side. Yes, indeed. As you know, sponsor dollars are very and very important uh, to this sport, and uh, it's one of the things that can make or break a diver uh, is whether they have sponsorship or not. So taking good care of the sponsors when they do come into the sport is a big deal, and the driver plays a very big role
1: in that. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see that trend continue. I know that even NASCAR as a whole, when looking for the title sponsor, has gone about it in a different um, platform. Uh, I can't think of the right word, but we'll say platform at this point. Um, And business model, I think, is how they referred to it, versus the one title sponsor. And that all ties in together, again, you know, as the economy shifts you know, we, we saw the boom in the 90s, uh, which we saw Sprint did a phenomenal job of carrying it, um, but times change, and so NASCAR has to change with it, and I think they've done a great job with that.
0: Yes, and I think they've done it very seamlessly as well. It seems like it's been, uh, you know, there's been no hiccup other than uh, outside forces like the COVID-19.
1: Yeah, the the virus certainly played a factor um, But like I said, there were certain things that were coming into play Anyway, prior to that, this obviously didn't help
0: Okay, now Jay, I do have some audio here If we want to play some of that Um, We do have uh, four drivers that were part of a uh, Teleconference uh, today at for with regard to their upcoming race at Homestead Miami Speedway I'll give you the choice of who you'd like to hear from uh there is uh Xfinity series driver Justin Haley truck series driver Austin Hill uh Cup series driver Tyler Reddick and uh, Xfinity series driver Daniel Hemrick uh, all of them are about the same length I guess uh the Austin Hill has the shortest one uh, Tyler Reddick has the longest one. So well, we can probably only listen to maybe uh, three minutes or so. All
1: right. Well, let's let's start with Daniel Hemrick, because, again, I hadn't gotten an official word on that of where he's at with the championship battle, and I know he's not running that first race. So kind of like to hear what he has to say.
0: Okay. Let's take a listen to Daniel Hemrick, driver of the number eight junior motorsports Chevrolet.
2: Hello. Hey, how are y'all? Good, how are you?
3: Thanks for joining us again. Happy. So heading into this week, um, headed to Homestead um, and the opportunity to compete um, once again for the Dash for Cash. So uh, just talk a little bit about um, the opportunity to once again, you know, kind of battle for the extra bonus money and what that means for your
4: team.
2: Yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, it's First off, such an incredible program that... Xfinity and Comcast offers, you know, a kind of spotlight. The Xfinity series drivers and, and gives them an the opportunity to, you know, race for something extra on the line. Um, we all know that you have to go and have a good day to even qualify for this. So i um, very proud of Junior Motorsports to put me in a situation where uh, myself and my teammate Noah Dragson, who won the Dash Cash last week, can go down to Homestead and hopefully have a shot at, a, at winning again. And, you know, me personally, you know, knowing, you know, from Kind of build my own cars and having to struggle with the finance stuff um, my entire career trying to get to the racetrack. You know, it's, it means so much to these race teams building around that kind of cash as well. So <clears throat> just take a lot of pride in, in being one of the one of the four guys with that, that incredible opportunity come Homestead. Uh, I've been fortunate to, uh, to win one of them in the past, so look forward to hopefully trying to do it again. All right. Well we'll now take questions for Daniel. If you have one, a friendly reminder, you
3: can use the um, chat session or you can also is the raise your hand option within the Zoom. So we'll take our first question from Claire B.
0: Lane. Do you have a question? Challenges of uh, of Homestead Miami, and obviously it has so many lines, and you have the ability in the Xfinity cars to bounce back if you uh, you know go up against the line with the fence, but talk us through
2: it. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges that place has to offer. Um, I think back to myself personally, and the Xfinity races that I've ran there, most of them have been, you know, start in the daytime, pretty warm, but it's always, you know, been in the fall. Um, and when the sun goes down, the temperature really goes down, the racetrack changes a lot, and that's when you see guys uh, running various, you know, a huge variance of lines from all the way wrapping the bottom to bouncing around right the fence up top. And that's what's going to be interesting about the dynamic and what we're going to face this coming week is, one, you have the entire race that's happening today, you know on Saturday, the first Xfinity race that my boss still Jr. will be running, and we all have to turn cars around. So everybody's going to have to run that same car again. You know, you know, in case unless something crazy happens or you're catastrophic. But you know, what you talked about with the bodies and whatnot. Because of that, that's the only reason this is even an option for the Xfinity car is to be able to run that same car that second day. Um, and as we you know run those races in the heat of the sun, I think it's going to be right around 90, 95 degrees and Be really, really hot and it's going to stay hot, which is going to be interesting to see how the racetrack goes. The whole race to be in full sun, something that we haven't had there in a while for the Xfinity series. So, um, yeah, just a a lot of options, a lot of fun, a really, really disciplined style racetrack, but the complete opposite of what we had at Atlanta, right?
0: There of what to look forward to At Homestead Miami
1: Well and he mentioned Some of the things we talked about as far as the track But the one thing I look at mm-hmm. And I see it two sides to it With the Xfinity doing this double header My first thought is getting the Xfinity Series teams a little bit lower budget Not all of them top teams Backing um, like Junior Motorsports with Hendrick Motorsports Or Joe, G- Joe Gibbs Racing However again with that Composite body It gives them a little bit more leeway as far as how much they got to work on the car. So uh, it'll be interesting to see as they go from uh, night to night, or day to day.
0: Okay, I do have a little bit of updated information here, too, that I want to give. This relates to the Cup Series race at Miami, the Dixie Vodka 400 starting lineup. Denny Hamlin is going to be uh, starting from the pole in that race. And uh he'll be followed by he'll have Joey Logano uh as with him on that front row. In row two is Brad Kaslowski and Kyle Bush, row three is Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Junior, row four is Kevin Harvick and Alex Bowman, and row five is Jimmy Johnson and Kurt Bush. So, you know, just uh some really good information there too.
1: Uh, some of us find that really good information as we picked Ninny Hamlin as our driver to win, so.
0: <laughs> yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> there was was something uh, here I was going to throw out. A friend of mine showing me here. Uh, can't say it's 100% accurate. Ken Schrader to call Toledo ARCA East Race on NBC Track Pass. Uh, it was posted oh, on Facebook, and I'm not I'm not familiar with the individual that posted it, so I don't know again that it's 100%. But that is at least out there.
0: Oh, that's really kind of cool to know. Ken Schrader uh, is a blast from the past, if you will. Uh, he's a driver that uh, uh, has <clears throat> that has uh, really uh, been a staple of the Arkham Menard series, but also he was a NASCAR Cup series driver and going back to uh the whole well, Winston Cup Monday or whatever I can't remember the name of that show now, but uh he used to be on T V on Fox uh with some of the oh. reviews of the racing weekend as well.
1: Why pardon me? Why you gotta make me feel why you gotta make me feel old again? Um <laughs> Inside Winston Cup I think is what it
0: Inside
1: Inside Inside Winston Cup is what it started as And then when Winston left It was Inside NASCAR Uh, Jimmy Spencer, Ken Schrader Kenny Wallace Trying to think there were a couple I know they rotated and Michael Waltrip I think that's kind of where he got his television start With that as well
0: Exactly So uh, that's what I mean when I say That's a blast from the past uh, to hear the name Ken Schrader, so uh, really cool. He he's got a great personality, and I think it's going to be he's going to make uh, watching that streaming event a uh, uh, really a fun race to watch because he usually has some great insight.
1: Yeah, I, I can honestly say I can't say I've ever heard him call a race, but I can only imagine. And uh, depending on where I'm at, uh, might try and listen to that. Um, to see how it goes, because I, I think he would be a great one to have in the booth uh, doing such.
0: Exactly. Okay, Jay, we are at the top of the hour, and you know what that means. It is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and joining us uh, as co host for that segment is uh, none other than Andy Lasky.
3: How's it going, Sharon? Hi Jay, how are you guys doing tonight?
0: Very well and you Doing well. Okay. Good deal. Also, also joining us, uh, I believe that's Michael Orzel. that is with Hello! us uh, as well. <laughs> so there's Michael. Uh he's here and we're ready to go. Uh, Andy, I'm gonna kind of uh yield to you. To kind of lead us up on the hot topics for tonight
3: Well I think the first one I want to talk about is You know we we just ran a race at Martinsville But it was the first National Series event to be held under the lights there Obviously on a Wednesday night in the prime time And certainly wanted to
0: see what everyone's thoughts were on that Okay Uh, Mike do you want to start out?
5: I thought it was great. Um, Martinsville is a beautiful facility. Uh, it's a wonderful short track. It is a perfect fit for night racing. My only kind of critique feedback, whatever is that I just a fan though, is the traditional dates for Martinsville COVID-19 notwithstanding are in early spring and late fall. And if they want to run a regularly scheduled night race at Martinsville, this is probably a better time of year to think about it as how's it was this, uh, this time of year it can get really cold at the normal times when Martinsville is running. So fan experience is a big thing. So it's either, whether it's really hot or really cold, um, it has to be taken into account when constructing the schedule. So if they're going to do a night race at Martinsville, maybe make sure it's not going to be 20 degrees out.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay?
1: Well, I know we talked about it a little bit already when when we uh, covered that earlier, I'll pawn off of it or spawn off of it in a later topic. But as far as the event itself under the lights thought was absolutely great. Uh, Like I mentioned, I'm not sure what added to it. um, If it was the no practice, the package being under the lights, but I think that is one of the better Martinsville races we have seen. Maybe not finish wise, as far as a bumper to bumper finish, but Uh, Overall racing, again, throughout the field, guys dropping to the back due to issues coming back, working on their car, getting that outside lane to work a little bit. We saw some moves made on the outside. So uh, there's a huge combination of factors, and and hopefully they can bring that all together. And this is one that does become a regular event. I know that's one of them they talked about when you talk about doing a midweek race, especially if you're doing it under the lights, isn't real far from the NASCAR hub of uh, Charlotte. So they could do on a Wednesday, Thursday night, or something, and it not be a major impact on the teams. Most of the teams, I say most of the teams.
0: <laughs> okay, I, I I love night racing anyway. I love the shine off of the cars, uh, the bright lights, and I loved the uh, light show that uh, Martinsville did after the race. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, addition and uh, highlight for the track as well. Uh, But the racing itself I thought was fantastic. Uh, Again, I think it it made it a team effort uh, because the drivers, uh, one of the things that Martin Truex said in his post-race interview is he finally figured out how to give the feedback to his crew chief about what he needed at Martinsville, and that's why he's won the last two races. So that feedback is so important, and then having the team that can take that feedback and do what needs to be done to the car uh, as in changing conditions from day to night, uh, I think that that adds to some of the excitement of watching that race unfold. Um, and the different strategies that people play, uh, you know, staying out, uh, the tire wear, all of those things just kind of add to a really great racing and we did see people race from the back to the front and and of course uh, Martin Truex, Jr was one of those guys so Andy I'm curious to know what you thought about that
3: well I'm going to use the word love a lot here because there's a lot to love about this for sure but um <laughs> Martin Joel's single single-handedly my favorite track so I always love whenever they go there but you know I love night racing I love short track racing and I'm going to kind of spin off the subject a little bit too, but I love the idea of having to show up and, and just race. Um, and we saw a lot of examples, maybe more so last night than we have all season, of of guys who were really good early that weren't very good at the end of the race and guys who struggled immensely early that were able to rebound, such as Martin Truex Jr. and, and get the win. So, um, you know, and obviously we're in a day and age where You know, there's so much data and so much simulation back at the shop that, um, you know, a a team can pretty well set the car up there. And I know there was some complaining, I think, that I saw, surprise, surprise, on social media where people said that, you know, teams need to be able to practice. But I don't think so. I think that, you know, the really good teams are going to show up pretty much on the mark and if they're not on the mark they're going to get themselves there by the end of the race so I really loved pretty much every aspect of the race last night unfortunately didn't get to see it it was the one race that I really wanted to watch and somehow missed it I was busy doing other things uh-huh. but nonetheless I got caught up on it and obviously um, a fantastic race and um, there was a lot to to be excited about so um looking forward to um the Xfinity series this fall, I think that's a night race too. They make their return for the first time in fourteen years. And uh certainly excited for this race in years to come. It's uh it's just it it brings you back to the roots of the sport and, and obviously um short I'm a big proponent of short track racing anyway. I wish that half the schedule were short tracks. So um a lot to be excited about and I thought it it was a race that even though there weren't necessarily a lot of accidents, you know, there was a lot of things going on, you know, throughout the course of the race. So I thought it was good.
0: Okay, uh, follow up, Mike.
3: Yeah, um,
5: I kind of agree with Andy on this one. I think Martinsville is a is a perfect racetrack, at least for students of Cup Series racing. Um, the facility itself um, is—it's uh, it's is, got the uh, history, but it's also history, just modern as it can be. Um, as 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 can be. Um, and I think they're the only um, track in the country circuit that so has the LED lights in it right now. They are so they're on the front yeah, end of technology in terms of the in terms of making the race happen there. And it's exciting that they're bringing the Xfinity Series back there as well.
1: Okay, Jay. Well, the one thing that, that well, I think Andy hit, and that is, Andy hit on is there is the, is the heritage yeah, and, and heritage getting back to the roots. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And as far as the practice thing, I really I've liked the really fact liked that we're showing up with I've no practice. However, practice. I think I a think couple laps, and once we get practice, to where we can, can qualify again, because we have seen, and I think a Kyle Busch's team, and I know they discussed it with Austin Dillon, but he said they hit something on the track of having something minor problem with the car that you figure out in practice, even if it's a shorter time period, I don't want to see this hour and a half, two days worth of practice, but I think, and as I put it uh, in our hot topics, my idea would be one hour in that you practice your fastest time is your qualifying, I think would be a kind of a good mix.
0: Interesting. Um, Yeah. I, I kind of, like and, and intrigued, I guess, is maybe a better way of putting it, uh, by the fact that they're not having the practice or the qualifying sessions. Um, I, I think it does, it does add a different dynamic to the whole racing uh, product that's put out there. And I think in a lot of ways uh, it brings more of the um, team into it in that uh, that team either has that car ready to go right off the truck or uh, they're able to work with the driver and get it to where it needs to be for them to uh, race and contend at the end. So uh, I kind of like that idea. I I, I think it, it does uh, kind of pull in, not that it wasn't pulling in the team before, it's just that everybody is kind of starting at the same spot, if you will. Uh, either they get... They did a good job of getting that work done at the shop and, and the car is ready to go right off the truck, or uh, they've got to work on, on fixing it. So that that's just my thoughts about that, Andy.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I
6: don't. Mike, yeah, I, I
0: don't go ahead. Yeah, you've got a follow-up.
3: Oh, I just wanted to say I didn't actually have a follow up, but everyone made some really good points there. I just, you know, I hope that, um, yeah, I realize that we're doing midweek races because we're trying to play catch up from the, the two month break we had. But I really hope that this is a prelude to the future because it's really been uh, fun to have some of these midweek cup races for sure. For sure.
0: Okay, Mike, you're up next.
5: Well, for the next top topic, I mean, this is the reason I rolled out of bed today. Uh, Just to poke at Andy with this one, Uh, I'd like to draw some parallels between (laughs) uh, this year, uh, Stuart Haas Racing, Racing and and Richard Childress Racing circa about 2012 or so. Um, Um, It's easy to see Stuart Haas Haas Racing, especially Kevin Harvick, as one of the elite teams in NASCAR, but I think Kevin Harvick, future Hall of Famer, is kind of masking some of the issues that are currently existing at Stuart Haas. Um, and you can even draw parallels uh, with the current driver lineup. Harvick Kevin Harvick is Kevin Harvick. Clint Boyer equates Clint Boyer to Jeff Burton to in a RCR and comparison, and Eric Almarole can kind of compare to off and art. I'm kind of interested to think um, where to the to trajectory the of Stuart Hot's Racing is going,
0: especially when Kevin Harvick retires. Okay,
5: Jay, you're
0: up. Well, I was a little shocked well, there when
1: he said he was going to target, somebody, he and he me, target so. somebody, and it wasn't me, so uh, I'll jump on this and go, <laughs> after, go, Andy. <laughs> this and go after Andy.
6: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: Um, no. Um, it, it's one of those, Of, it, you, look of the, you look at it statistically-wise and statistically factual-wise, factual they did come in strong they when they formed Stuart Haas Racing, Stuart Haas Kevin Harvick come over win, Hart, over, win the championship, but they have but not been a four-car been a powerhouse, powerhouse team, team, like team like we thought, team, like we they, we thought, thought they would be. They We've seen flashes, flashes of it, but they can never seem to get all four cars on the same level. Now, we have seen that before with Hendrick Motorsports. It used to be two, then three. Right now, they seem to have all four. But we've also seen it with Joe Gibbs and even still a little bit now, Eric Jones. Although he'd be a young driver, that might be part of it. But they always seem to have the one team that is a little bit lower or lacking. So, you know, I can only imagine what it is to get four teams together like that. But you would think if they're all coming out of the same stable, Uh, They'd be a little bit closer, Uh, and we haven't seen that in Stuart Haas racing. racing.
0: Okay, Andy, it's your turn to respond. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: fine. That's fine. Uh, We actually um, actually, um, had had somewhat of a discussion on this the other day, and I'll be as honest as I I can about it, but, I mean, Kevin Harvick carried RCR, and it wasn't until he left that their struggles were known. And quite frankly, Kevin Harvick has carried Stewart-Haas Racing since he came, came there in 2014. Um, even he even outran the boss man Tony Stewart, who struggled in his last few years in the Cup Series. And realistically, the other three teams since they've gone to a four car team have have really not been up to par with the four at all. At all. So, um, so there's really, really certainly, certainly um, you know, there's really, um, really um, sorry, I'm just trying to I lost my train of thought here, but no, there's really, um, really um, um, you know, no um, denying um, that yeah, is what it's I'm, it's trying I'm trying to, to say. So certainly so, uh, Kevin Harvick, I think, like to Mike's point, has masked their, point, issues. their issues. Uh, I'm not really, I wouldn't I'm put them really, on a, as a declining really, team, though. That's where I'll disagree. I think that they're a team with a lot of money, that certainly has the resources that the top teams do. I would put them in a top-tier category, but for whatever reason, the other three teams, teams, and I'm sure there's different variables in this, just haven't been able to live up to the expectations of the four cars. So, um you know, to look at Clint specifically in the 14 car, they've been they've had some pretty fast cars this year, but they haven't been able to close the deal several occasions. You know, same with the 10 and, and Cole Custer's a rookie, so I give him a free pass to some degree because you know he has a steep learning curve ahead of him. So,
6: um,
3: I think that Cole is certainly someone that will improve as time goes on. And you know, with regards to the other two, I think that you know you'll see some changes. In terms of drivers in the coming years and There may come a day Where we do see all four cars Run competitively but there's no doubt That Kevin's the leader of that team He has been for several years And I think that'll continue to be the case That's not to say you won't see One of the other cars occasionally get a win
0: Here and there but
3: um, Yeah I mean I, I don't necessarily Think that there's anything majorly wrong But they've certainly struggled
0: Okay and And I think it's interesting that to make that comparison between Stuart Haas Racing and RCR. I wasn't part of the chat conversation, but uh, uh, I, I think it's a good analogy. I think it's a good comparison. But I have to agree with Andy. I, I don't really see Stuart Haas Racing as a team in decline. I think that they're having uh, a lull, if you want to put it that way, but I can see where they can be on the rise at some point in the future where I'm not really seeing that same sort of thing with RCR at this particular point, uh, with their situation. So, uh, Tony Stewart and and Gene Haas are going to put what they need to put into that organization uh, to get them on the right track. You're right, they've struggled with it to a certain degree, but I I do see them really in the building phase at this point um, with with a driver like Cole Custer and potentially a driver like Chase Briscoe coming into the fold. Uh, I think one thing we all know is that driving the Cup Series, is nothing like driving the Xfinity Series. And it's a little bit steeper uh, learning curve for a lot of these drivers than than making that transition uh, from other series into the Xfinity Series, for example. But um, uh, I think your analogy, Mike, of of the two organizations is uh, pretty spot on. uh, And otherwise, in uh, an interesting topic of conversation. So, Mike, I'm curious to know what you think.
5: Well, obviously, well, Tony Stewart and Dean Hoss are extremely smart, and people, extremely smart people. And they and they, smart they, people. They, they, they they know what's going um, on.
6: I'm
5: sure, um, sure they've got a plan sure for how to write the ship. Or hopefully, they do. Um, um, the thing, kind of the the cautionary tale with RCR problem. is. It's so easy to so kind of easy. let kind good of performance good from one, driver, one, one driver, driver, namely Kevin Harvick, be Kevin enough Harvard to be satisfied with. Satisfied and then when with. that one tentpole holding the whole, thing, whole thing, thing up inevitably goes away, goes either away. via retirement either or, via in, the retirement or retirement in the case of RCR, or or RCR when he moves to a different team, the whole thing, whole thing collapses. And RCR went from a title contender to an ran in the span of a year.
6: year.
0: Okay. Did we lose you?
5: No, I'm still here. Sorry. I'm still here. Sorry. I'm not sure. There sounds like if somebody has their radio on in the the background, there's a a lot of feedback and echo. It's just killing my train of thought when I'm trying
0: to talk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard that too. Okay, there you go.
5: All right, how are we doing now? All right, how are we doing now? Oh, so much. Nope, it's back. Uh, Anyway, I'll try Uh, to keep with it the you know the parallels the, of the RCR parallels continue of even, of with even with Chase Briscoe you remember when Kevin Harvick was at uh, RCR, uh, RCR they, they had, had Austin Dillon who was Dillon coming up who was, up. was winning the races was including winning championships races, in the Xfinity, Xfinity, series. Xfinity series so just banking so on the future talent the coming series, to the team now, isn't necessarily, isn't a, great necessarily a great backstop to say well this is going to improve the overall performance of the team
0: Okay, yeah, I'm hearing that background noise, too. I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, so, yeah, we'll probably have to mute ourselves when we're not speaking. Okay, um, so, Jay, your thoughts?
1: Whoa. Stuart Haas, I know they've made some um, changes, crew chief changes, amongst a couple of the teams, but it might be one of those where they need to go with the bold move of splitting Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick. Harvick can carry the team as a driver. Childers can carry another team as the crew chief. Uh, I know we've seen that with Hendrick Motorsports, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Canales. Chad Knauss, doesn't immediately provide doesn't immediately top, top, provide results, top but results, but sometimes is necessary. Sometimes and I think they got to look at that top spot maybe to spread, maybe, that, spread that out throughout the organization, the organization a little
0: more. Ooh, that's an interesting thought. And your thoughts?
3: I I don't know if that would actually fix the issue. Is, to be honest. I, be honest, I I think keeping I mean, those, two keep those two together is important.
0: You, even if even if Rodney Childress were to go over to uh Clint Boyer?
3: Yeah, I I, I just don't yeah, think I, so. I, I, I think I, that Rodney I, and Kevin are meant to be together. To be
0: together. Okay. Any additional follow up there?
5: Well, with regard to the well, switching you know, of Rodney switching Childers to another, team, to another team, it it could go either way. It could, it could create right. two it winning two teams by splitting up the singular winning combination, singular combination winning or by on splitting on. up that one winning
0: combination that they have, it could create zero winning teams.
5: Okay.
0: Well, I, I – I do think that they are building, and like you said in the beginning, Mike, uh, Gene Haas and Tony Stewart are pretty smart people, and I'm sure they're looking at what they can do to solidify that organization. And I do kind of see signs of them working on it already, um, you know, with the younger uh, generation kind of coming into that sport. And having the advantage of learning from a driver like Kevin Harvick and kind of working with them and learning kind of, kind of from them as, at the same time. So I think that's all, all really good. Okay, Jay, let's move to you for this next topic.
1: All right, well, I kind of hit on it earlier when we were talking about it being the hot topics. And that is about the heat we're going through right now. And we've seen it specifically in the last two races. I think we're going to see it very prevalent at Homestead, Miami. And in that, you have these drivers, even if they're only running the Cup Series, going through three races in seven, eight days. days. Um, And we've seen some fatigue Um, issues. I know Austin Dillon's part of that was a part part failure 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 with the crush panel coming coming out of the car that he had to get out of that car. But we saw it after Martinsville with Bubba Wallace and Ryan Newman specifically. I know I recall seeing having... Really being worn out Now a lot of the drivers talk about that And I know we said it might have something to do with the package of the car But does that mean NASCAR Needs to look a little more carefully at that As far as from not just the fan perspective Of the midweek race But the drivers of too much In a shorter time Especially during these summer months
0: Yeah do they have recovery time Uh, Andy We'll go to you next
3: Yeah I think that's a really good point Um, You know See they're running a lot of races right now, so you've got you know more frequency than normal. You get into the Hutter months, and I think it takes a toll on the body. So
0: um,
3: we've seen this in the past certainly, certainly, but I think it's more prevalent now because they're running more races.
0: More races. Okay, Mike.
5: Yeah, I kind of touched on it last yeah, week kind of with the discussion that. about shorter races. The yeah. health and safety of the drivers comes more than it's more than just hitting something with the car. So worrying about collision is very important, but that's not the only way that a driver can get hurt in a race. They really do need to take a look at maybe adding some additional ducting or some other driver cooling system, and I think it's going to have to come from the NASCAR end. Obviously, the reason that the Obviously, drivers are having heat issues is, is issues, in part is because the teams have these cars so buttoned up to reduce so aerodynamic, aerodynamic drag. drag. So the so only way that the there's going to be any significant change to bring, change to bring more air into the drivers is the probably the driver, going to end up coming in forced from the, the NASCAR. End. And then I think it's something they need to look at.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I do think it's something that they need to look at. I think we've seen enough incidences uh, where drivers are totally fatigued when they get out of the car. They have to sit down. We saw it with Bubba Wallace. We saw it. We've seen uh, uh, several issues of it. And uh, I do think that um, NASCAR needs to take a look at whether it is. Um, I think we really have to take a look at what is going on w- with the cars that's causing that, whether the drivers can articulate that. Uh, after, you know, getting out of the car uh, is going to be really important and, uh, uh, you know, shedding light on, on maybe what NASCAR can do to fix that. But I do agree it's not going to be something that maybe should come from – that. part of it will probably come from the team, but it, it needs to be mandated by NASCAR across the board so that you don't have some teams who have uh, better air – filtration or better air circulation uh, than other teams who don't, uh, giving them a disadvantage. So, um, Jay, you brought it up. What is your thought on that?
1: I do think it needs to be addressed in in, in in several different different ways, ways, um, whether it it comes from from the teams themselves or from NASCAR, and as uh, I believe Mike and was as, uh, talking about it, if it is something from NASCAR, that might be something that I've talked about of that front car and the clean air having the advantage because, again, front end, or the clean air on their front end is so much more prevalent. So if they do something where there are vents that put air into the car and then release it in another out the back, Uh, might help create that as well, that 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 front car doesn't have that advantage advantage like we see right now with the the bullet-shaped streamlined of the car. So So, um, I think it could actually um, play into a better on-track performance as well, well, depending on how NASCAR goes about it.
0: Interesting. Okay, let's let's go back around. I think we started with you, Andy. Any follow-up there?
3: Yeah, not really much, and, um, you know, certainly when you get into the summer season, this is when we see the heat become a problem, and, you know, to everyone's point, with the cars buttoned up as much as they are, it makes it worse, so um not really sure there's much of a fix for it, but hopefully they'll, you know, I think when we get into maybe racing once a week, it'll be easier on the
0: drivers. Uh Mike?
5: Yeah, um, I don't yeah, think um, this heat thing is going to go away. It's there's a lot of tracks that it, they've it, got coming up on the schedule that don't have lights. Don't They're about to race Talladega. There's, there's a, not not a reason they moved the you know the fall Talladega race used to be in late September, early or August, I think is what it was. And there's a reason they moved it into mid October. And now we're about to go to Talladega in early July. I uh, I grew up in, in uh, the east, east coast of Florida, and I spent many a Daytona summer a race Daytona before, before they put the lights in and there. And it is and miserable just sitting in those stands cooking when it's 100, 100 degrees out. out. And, and that's just, just sitting in the stands as a fan in shorts and a t-shirt. I really hope it doesn't mm-hmm. get to the point where we have a driver have a we permanent have a heat, heat injury permanent because injury. we want to, get the, we want to get the races done and we're
0: doing it at the expense of the driver's, of health driver's health
5: and safety.
0: Okay. Um, I guess that leads to me. I, I I hear you guys when it comes to that. I don't want anybody to be hurt either. I do. You do bring up a good point, Mike, that um, – uh, a lot of these races are being run at a time that really wasn't on the original schedule. And I think that's part of the issue as well, uh, because a lot of times when they were setting up these cars, did they even anticipate that they were going to be driving uh, at the times that they were driving? Uh, Probably not. So that might be a factor that plays into all of this as well. And, Uh, But I The other factor And and Andy I think you alluded to it Is the midweek racing And that they're doing two Really hot races uh, Within days of each other And whether or not they've got enough recovery time uh, Before it's time for them To jump back into the car And actually it's three races Within a short period of time For uh, the Cup Series They raced on Sunday They raced on Wednesday And they're going to be back in the car again On Sunday again So um it, it'll be interesting to see if NASCAR does respond uh to all of this. I I'm not really sure that they've even come to that thought process yet. Um Jay, I'm curious to know, uh have you heard anything about NASCAR coming to look at that more extensively?
1: No, I know when they talked no, about it uh, a little bit on the broadcast, but not as far as NASA as the sanctioning body. But they, they talk about it. I mean, they obviously, they, for TV purposes, they put the temperature gauges in the car, so they got to be aware of it. And I think it might be one of those things where the drivers, as the drivers, as Drivers association, uh, the that RTA, association, the RTA, if that's still a thing, but the that the drivers need to maybe need bring it up and, and say, hey we, gotta up. Do this. hey, we got to do uh, this. Again, for our own <laughs> safety, you gotta, again, it's one of those <laughs> where I think you got to save themselves. the drivers from themselves.
0: Exactly. Real quick, I'm going to do an update here. We are going to go off the air here uh, in less than a minute, and. Uh, when that happens, we stop the the live broadcast, but the recording continues uh, for an overtime session that's available on our podcast. If you've listened up to that point, all you have to do is when the podcast becomes available and I post that on Twitter, then you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. Now, we are somewhat concerned uh, that... Uh, we're not sure if this is going to work like it has in the past or not so if we do
6: Ten seconds. if
0: we do go off the air uh and and uh find out that we can't do this overtime session anymore we will let you know okay with that let's uh, go ahead and continue
1: well I'm, I'm with Mike. I just I'm, got I'm the countdown Mike. timer in my ear as well, so it doesn't ear. sound like so we're going to go over like we're gonna be able to go over
6: time.
0: Oh, did you really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. I said, and I just started getting uh-huh. mine in my ear.
0: Okay. Have you guys gotten that before?
1: No, never. No. no. Never. Tonight was the
5: first no. I've heard it. I got a 90-second, a 60 90 second, and a 10-second countdown. countdown.
0: Okay. See, I always get that. I always get that. So it's interesting that that's the first time that you guys have gotten it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens in this over time. We are off the air. Um, if if we get cut off, we get cut off. If, if uh, we don't, we'll just kind of keep talking. But keep in mind that when this happened with Jay and I uh, the other day, what happened is we just kept talking for what jay another forty five minutes, and then they cut us off a good and when chunk, I went back yeah, and re- chunk, yeah. yeah when when I went back and listened to it, we actually were cut off at five minutes, so that other forty minutes that we were talking uh was never captured, so we'll see what happens here. uh We'll go back and listen uh and see what happens, but uh we'll go with when they cut us off, I guess. So with that, uh, Andy, do you have another topic you want to bring up?
3: I was going to divert it, Jay yeah, or Mike, it. and see what, they yeah, had.
5: Mike,
0: see what they had. Okay, Mike.
5: Yeah, this is a pretty good one. Um the uh, I don't know if you sure uh, if you guys are following the Twitter, Twitter beef between Cory with Joy and Denny Coyle Hamlin. And, Denny and Hamlin. it uh, brought up some and really good discussion really between good drivers pressure. regarding uh, the quality of the car the versus the how much the driver brings, the brings to the table and how much of a difference that time really
6: makes.
5: kind of boil it down. The uh the discussion, it was yet another, was you know, another good driver and good, good equipment, equipment kind of beefing a little bit with a driver a who is seemingly pretty good, but, be pretty but in, good, under-performing, but in equipment. underperforming equipment. equipment. Um, and it was the standard discussion um, the standard of, standard of, of, hey, you know, Corey says, hey, you know, if we switch cars, know, cars hey, I thought I could do as well you do as you, you do in the 11. And Denny, Denny rightly got kind of defensive because, you know, this is a reputation we're talking about here. Um and then Brad Keselowski um, kind of came Kieslowski in, and, and it was interesting to see what he, because see of what he offered because of his background as a trunk team, team owner, and he broke it down and of down if a team if makes, a say, team say, a million dollars and, and pays the driver $100,000, $100, they value the driver's 10%, the of, the 10% percent of, the of the outcome of the team. Well. Fast forward to Wednesday, well, forward there was Wednesday, one driver, was that, one stayed driver on that stayed out on the, and the track and prevented all those Gibbs cars those from taking Gibbs the wave around and getting a lap back. And, and that was a 32 of Corey LaJoy. And, and Denny Hamlin stayed doing. a lap down the, stay the down the rest of the day,
0: in part because Corey LaJoy stayed because
5: out, because and stay out, out and didn't let him get the waste.
0: Interesting. Okay, Andy, I'll let you start on this one.
3: Yeah, this one was pretty funny. I've seen some of what's taking place on Twitter. Um, you know, it, it's really an interesting, you know, debate, really interesting certainly, debate, certainly, but at the end of the day, the you know, Danny Hamlin has never driven anything do, but elite any equipment sport. in the sport. You know, Corey LaJoy has you know, kind of had to come you know, up from the bottom, if you will. So, um, you know, it's certainly uh, hard to compare you know, and figure out what the two would do, you know, do, you know if they were to drive each know, other's cars. Know, cars. But I think it's fair to say that most drivers in the Cup Series you know, have the talent to be successful if they're in the right equipment. So I think Denny kind of brushed off, you know, Corey's statement that he would be successful in saying that he drove the 11 car. But I think that, um, I think the fact is that, um, you know, Corey would do a really good job in the 11 with giving that opportunity. So, um, it was just interesting to Um, see, you know, Denny brush that off, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think Corey, um, you know, does the best job that he can and, you know, with what he has.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: Well, as much as I, I normally as as I defend I uh, Kyle Bush and Bush his talent, and, uh, this, uh, his this is, talent. is one of those. I'm going to put <laughs> it as I think Denny Hamlin has <laughs> Kyle Busch-itis.
6: I'm not winning,
1: so I'm going to cry about something. And <laughs> yeah. let me check with Go Fast <laughs> Racing, the number 32 team, team that Corey LeJoy the joy drives for yeah nowhere do i see where it says they're there to help the number 11 team do better they're there to make them do better and that was their shot at doing good in that stage that part of the race and ended up with a decent finish for that team so i don't see any any way any team should complain about that they're there to race for their team
0: okay i i think it would be interesting if they would swap cars one for one race Put Corey LaJoy in the number 11 and put Denny Hamlin in the number 32 And let's see what he can do with the underfunded team Um, And if he wouldn't do some of the same things that Corey LaJoy did Like staying out on the track Uh, Those guys all have sponsors Those guys all have uh, team owners Uh, They have team members that work really hard on those cars uh, and in some cases, they they probably work even a little bit harder uh, on the cars, and and you know Corey LaJoy is is out there on the racetrack not just for him, but for his team owner and for his team as well, so and his sponsors. So he's out there to do the very best he can do in that equipment, and between him and his team owner and and the crew chief and, and everything, they're going to make the calls that they think are best for them and their organization, and that's as it should be because that's exactly what Danny Hamlin does with his team and his organization and his sponsors. So I always find it kind of interesting when, when these drivers um, kind of discredit some of the underfunded teams. We've got some good examples of drivers who go for underfunded teams and are now driving uh, for, you know, really good teams that have done head over heels better <laughs> than what they were doing in those underfunded teams. So I think that they've proven that out. Alex Bowman is one of them. Ross Chastain is one of them. And uh, there, there's probably other examples that aren't coming to me right now. But, I, I do I, you know, I think about Garrett Smithley and how somebody was on his case last year um, uh, and we've we've had a few examples of that recently, and I'm not sure why they would do that. And it it, it kind of demeans the sport overall, uh, a sport that you know they they need to be able to thrive in doing what they do. So, just an interesting conversation, if you ask me. Mike, your thoughts.
5: Yeah, I can kind of see both ends of it. Like you said, you know, you got like Alex Bowman, yeah, got Al- uh, Matt DiBenedetto is another one Benedetto. where they started in these yeah, underfunded teams running towards, the back, running towards the back, and then they got the opportunity, to run, got the opportunity to run in some better equipment run. at Hendrick Motorsports and Hendrick Wood Brothers Sport. Racing, respectively, and they've Ford done, Ford. done very, very well. They've done very well. But the other side of that, you, can't discount, that you can't
6: discount
5: if these guys were killing if it in the lower series when they were younger, maybe they would have gotten hired directly into an elite team and didn't go straight to the back of the field in the cup car. You've still got to be pretty good You've to be in a cup ride, even in the, the cup ride even in the back of the field. But if you're in the a a back of the field in a backmarker car in the, in the cup, cup series, the a, lot cup lot of of times times a lot of times it's because you didn't show, you whatever, didn't somebody show whatever somebody was looking for to hire, for. hire you to run with
0: one of these elite run teams as a first, you know, out-of-the-gate opportunity. Okay, Jay, or Mike, or I'm sorry, Andy, I think you're up next. Uh, it's okay, I don't have any follow-up I don't have any
1: follow-up Okay, Jay Well, there, there's a lot well, that comes into that and that We've had that discussion, that you know, right place, right, time. Place, place, right um, time Like you said, that um, you have mentioned like certain, drivers certain, certain drivers Get good drivers opportunity get right from the get-go get Come, get come get up through a, go, go, a Joe Gibbs Racing or Toyota Development Program Whereas other drivers haven't And, you know, so much of it We hear it all the time If a driver has a sponsor and we're all guilty of it. We've all had our opinions on it. They don't deserve that ride. They don't have the talent. They got the money. I mean, there are a lot of drivers out there across the country that may have more talent than Jeff Gordon, but nobody knows it. And that's not necessarily anybody's fault, or it's just the way it is. So I can't say that. I can't say that. And we've seen this in other other spots. And Sharon mentioned Ross Jastain got the opportunity to drive in the number six. Better team than he has, been running, than has been running in the Cup Series. Did he set the world on, fire? The no. on fire? No. Was no. he even running to where the sixth team was running prior to him coming, coming in there? No. But, but there? No. he is adjusting but to a new crew, a new team, 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 so, so. you got to so give some, some leeway. So you can't say leeway. one race you swap and see what happens. You know, that's one of those that mm-hmm. takes time, so you got to factor that in. Um, but I, I just don't feel that Denny, Denny Hamlin has any room to make any kind of complaints. Again, like I said, that team is there to do the best they can for their, team, for their team, for their sponsor, and that driver. And obviously his name is out there. It's been in discussion for other rides, so he's doing what he needs to do. He's doing what he needs to do.
0: Okay, and, and you know, like this, like Jay was saying I do think that there are so many other factors and reasons for why a driver May not have gotten that opportunity uh, Sometimes it's it's due to factors that are completely outside of their control And you brought up a good one uh, A lot of times these upper tier teams are taking a driver Because they are bringing sponsorship with them And just because a a driver doesn't have that sponsorship in their back pocket doesn't mean that they're not a good driver. Uh, And I think that's probably the best example of of what can happen and why a guy might not get a top-tier ride. Um, I I think that there are a lot of different factors. Uh, It could be a situation uh, that Christopher Bell's in right now. Uh, He would love to be racing at Joe Gibbs Racing this year, but there's no room in the end. So he's racing for Levine Family Racing instead. Um, Would he be doing better if he was in a Joe Gibbs racing car? It's kind of hard to say at this point because there is such a a big learning curve um, coming into the Cup Series. So I I just think there's so many other factors that can play into why a driver didn't get a top-tier ride, not necessarily having anything to do with his talent. And so I think that's kind of an unfair um evaluation uh of the driver and I I, I tend to agree I I don't understand why these top tier drivers uh, and I said it before why would you undercut drivers who are the backmarkers uh driving in underfunded cars in a sport <laughs> That you you depend on as your livelihood, you should be out there promoting those guys and helping them get the attention. And the funny thing is, is I know uh, Denny Hamlin's done that in the past with drivers like Matt DiBenedetto, uh, and and helping them get into better situations. So for him to do that to Corey LaJoy, it, it kind of makes you wonder if there isn't something else going on there. Um, but because Corey LeJoy is a good driver. Okay, I, I think we're at the end of that topic. Uh, Jay, did you have another topic? Jay, I think Jay's on mute.
1: Oh no, um, I did have um, one more here. It was kind of in, in our NASCAR, NASCAR uh, notes NASCAR, uh, uh, that, that, we that, uh, that we did the, have the the win from Martin for Martin Truex, first Cole win Perl. without Cole Pern. Uh, we've seen him struggle a little bit this year, kind of as all Toyotas have, but he's come on strong lately, uh, especially in the last few races. And to come back at a track like Martinsville, come back from the back like he did, uh, what that win does for for that team with the new crew chief.
0: Okay. Mike, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I was uh, pleasantly
5: surprised, to be honest with you, especially given with how lousy the Toyotas were in general at Martinsville this past weekend. Um, it seemed like the 19 um, was the, the only the Toyota that was consistently was good throughout the race, and there were a few other Toyotas, the 18, the 18 and the 11 in particular. They were actively, bad. actively bad, so, so to, see to see the 19 run as well as they, did was, really they did was really encouraging, and, uh, and uh, I, I would like to see more, see more of it out of them, obviously. Of it, obviously. That was going to be another hot topic I was, was going to bring up top. um with how dated my notes are, because following the Atlanta race, we we're going to talk about how the uh, Toyotas are improving. Well, they're not. Um, now, now though, we've got the 19, and really, what Toyota kind of needs right now is a banner carrier, one team to kind of step up and and lead. And lead, you know, lead the charge to be you, know, uh, you know the Toyota the, uh, you know, the camp. Toyota. We've seen yeah. Chase Elliott do it for, Chase it for Chevrolet for the past Chevrolet couple of years, where couple the years, brand, the manufacturer, the the may have been struggling a little man, bit, but at least little they, little they had one driver to consistently driver to keep, them keep them relevant. This year, Toyota, uh, Toyota they won, won. Obviously, Denny Hamlin's won two races. Andy Martin Truex now has won one, but Toyota really does not have a clear cut. You know, if you're gonna bet on one Toyota to, to be at, at Phoenix, Toyota Phoenix Toyota for the, championship, for in the, the fall,
6: championship in the fall.
5: Take your bets and the solid bet is no Toyota's.
0: Toyotas. Wow. Andy. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm surprised it took them as long to win as they did, but um, you know I think it probably took some time for for James and, and Martin to get on the same page, but I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's a team that really hasn't missed too many beats from the departure of Cole Pern. Um, like I said, I'm surprised it took them to win as long as it did, but um, I think that they have the confidence now knowing in each other that they can continue the winning ways of the past, and I think you'll see him probably get on a bit of a hot streak here as the summer goes on. But that team's every bit as good as it was in the past, and I think that they have, um, you know, if Joe Gibbs Racing can improve their game a little bit, they'll they'll be a contender for a championship this fall.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And one one sign of a championship contender is that they can overcome adversity and challenges and still be there and prevail at the end. And that's exactly what Martin Truex Jr. did. At Martinsville Speedway, and again, I'm going to go back to his post race interview uh, that one of the reasons why he feels he was able to win at Martinsville is because he won he won there in the fall, and uh, he said he's he's kind of figured out how to give the right feedback to his crew chief in order to make the adjustments that are needed to get a better car. So in this case, I think it's a track-specific thing um, that Martin Truex Jr. just has something figured out at Martinsville that maybe the other teams haven't quite figured out or maybe have gotten off the beat a little bit. Um, and and I do think that there have been signs of, you know, there's been times where it seems like, um, and you pointed this out, Mike, that we seem feel like uh, JGR is, is kind of turning the ship and getting there, but it's it's certain drivers. It was Denny Hamlin winning Daytona. It was Denny Hamlin who won uh wherever his second win was this year um, and and now it's now it's Martin Truex jr. so it might be a track specific kind of thing where those drivers have things figured out uh for certain tracks and one thing that we do know. Is that when drivers within an organization share information, they tend to do better than if each team is working independently in a parallel in a um, silo type system. Uh, it, it's better if they reach out and share that information with one another. Whether or not that's happening within JGR, I don't know. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say at this point, but I could see where maybe it might not happen when you think about uh, the different personalities that we're dealing with uh, within that organization. The other factor to keep in mind is that JGR had all four of the cars, I think, in, in contention throughout the uh, uh, chase last year and uh, the playoffs. And uh, I think that when that happens, it kind of puts you – you're so focused on that playoff contention that it puts you behind for the next season. Now, n- normally I would say that maybe that would might be a factor in this situation, but we had such a, a long uh, time off with the COVID-19 pandemic, they could have been using that time to get themselves back into contention. And who knows? We're, what, four or five races in now? Maybe that is what happened and why we are starting to see some glimpses uh, from JGR. But uh, just just a few t- thoughts off the top of my head. So, Mike, any follow-up there? Or Jay? Well, you know, you Was it Jay about, that brought you know, that up? You know. Let me go to Jay first because I think Jay brought that up.
1: Turning point for, that, turning team. Point for um, that, that team, just the fact um, that everybody kinda thought, that you know, kind of thought, you know, him losing Cole Pern was, was going to take some time, which it did. Time, which but we, did. Are, comparing but we are comparing to what Joe Gibbs Racing what did last year, last year, 19 wins year, 19 at the top or across the NASCAR top series. And so there and is going to be that so somewhat of a letdown. That, you can't maintain that forever. But... uh and we'll see if this gets recorded uh, Or gets that, recorded that might tell, or tell us whether or not it was meant to be I'm going to agree with Mike agree As with it Mike. stands right now <laughs> I could see Red-letter Joe Gibbs day. racing the Toyotas <laughs> From not or from having Three out of four not in the championship At Miami last year Miami To, last to not, not having any Toyotas having any in this Toyotas year in Now, this now year. like hmm. you mentioned We've like seen flashes from Denny Hamlin We've seen a couple of good runs from Kyle But we've seen more bad And, you know, this one with Truex2 It worked out, he made that run from the back, and he has been the, the one that has, I would say, been up front most consistently all year. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays off, if they build on that, if they're going in the right direction. Um, but as it stands right now, we mentioned three, four Penske teams in the top ten, 400 cars,
0: not a whole lot of room at the top. Okay. All right, uh, Mike, I did go to you. Did you have something more that you wanted to say?
5: Well, if you want, we can just kind of blend into the next kind of element, of element of that discussion and uh, how that plays okay. in with the uh, rookie uh, battle. Uh, battle. I, was okay. saying, uh, I was kind of saying, uh, uh, back to my notes uh, that I would written for a previous Hot Topic episode, was it was more so of the spin of with the improvement of Toyota, Toyota Will the you know current disappointment with Christopher Bell kind of turn around? But now we're right back to well, Toyota isn't quite where maybe they need to be, and the question is, it's inevitable, is how much of Christopher Bell's performance has been a reflection of Christopher Bell struggling to get into the Cup Series versus Toyota overall struggling, and that's hurting Christopher Bell.
0: All right, Andy, any thoughts?
3: I think it's a combination of a few different things. Um, Obviously, Obviously, the transition to the Cup series Series is a huge learning curve. And, um, you know, uh, even though he's he's got the same crew chief, it is a different team. team. And I think the Toyotas are not quite where they need to be. So you've got, you know, probably three or four variables that have led to his early season struggles. I think that he's going to get better as time goes on. I think that he is a very talented rookie. He proved that in the Xfinity Series. And if the team can continue to get better, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a contender for rookie of the
1: year.
0: Oh, okay. Jay?
1: Well, they, they do well, combine. They, they, they uh, we they had, combine. had seen it in yeah, that stretch in of that Christopher, Bell Bell Christopher Bell having some Bell good runs of where we expected him, we be, expected him uh, to be, uh, whether it be the top-running rookie the top or, one, or, of top or one of the top ones. Uh, uh, this past weekend at no, Martinsville, we went uh, back, Phil, we went uh, back uh, if you want uh, to say, degressed. But you also look at who was the top rookie, Tyler Reddick, in 16th. That tells you the kind of track that, that, Martinsville that Martinsville is. That isn't one. I believe NASCAR Race Hub said two drivers have won at Martinsville in their rookie year. So there you got to factor that in. I think as Toyota does progress, so will Christopher Bell, and we've already seen that. Like I said, in three weeks, it looked like he was back to where we expected him to be and might start being a top-ten driver week in and week out. So I think it's going to be really interesting I think Tyler Reddick still still kind of has The advantage even with Richard Richard Childress Racing um, Just from what we've seen Um, so far But but what are we in We had four races before the pandemic And and six now so we're only A third of the way into the season You got to give it time but I think It's going to come down to a real good rookie battle
0: Yeah I would agree with you I think that as time goes on Toyota is going to get this figured out, and then we're going to see improvements within that organization. Uh, Trust me, Kyle Busch is not going to be happy if he does not qualify for the playoffs. He is not going to be a happy camper, and the world is going to know about it. Um, But uh, I would say that Christopher Bell's situation is probably a combination of things. His adjustment to coming into... The uh, Cup Series, it's not an easy adjustment. Christopher Bell, we've seen him make adjustments in when he came into the Truck Series. It, it took time for him to make that adjustment when he went into the Xfinity Series. It took a little time for him to make the adjustment. It's going to take a little time for him to make that adjustment in the Cup Series as well. And it wouldn't surprise me if it takes him a little longer in the Cup Series, because it is such a big adjustment. Those cars are so much heavier, and... Um, just drive so differently From the Xfinity Series cars um, So I think there's a combination of factors That are going on there but I do have confidence That JGR is going To get things turned around I, I don't think those drivers are of the Mentality uh, to Not push in order to get The right things done to get that Organization back on track um, So and, and again that's a sign of a, of a Good team uh, and I, I think we saw um, Martin Truex overcome some adversity this week and, and still be able to win that race. We saw Denny Hamlin do it um, when he won races. So uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily doom and gloom. I think we, we definitely are going to see Denny Hamlin in the playoffs. So we're definitely going to see uh, Martin Truex in the playoffs. Uh, whether or not they make it to the Final Four is yet to be determined for Bun, how the rest of the season plays out, but I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I, I still think at least two cars are going to be in the playoffs uh, when it comes down to the Final Four. Mike. Yeah, um yeah, um, we
5: really yet to see the 95, really '95 put together 95 a consistent together follow-up performance to a good performance.
6: performance.
5: Uh, so, it's kind, so kind of the high-water mark so far for the '95 this year has been Bristol, year, been and if you remember, so, the '95 team, the team the ran very well, well at Bristol in the fall well, with Matt well, 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 Benedetto as the well, driver. Benedetto so. Again, it's hard to say whether that was just the team stepping back into a strong suit or Christopher Bell having a great great day. But what what really tells the story is what do they do in the next race? And to date, even when the 95 has a decent day, it's almost always followed up by a bad day. So before I start even thinking that the 95 is going to be a competitive car for rookie of the year, or especially, you know, have a chance of winning races. We're going to need to see those back-to-back performance strings that show the consistent improvement in the team instead of just striking it lucky every once in a while.
0: Yeah, I think it might be a year or two, perhaps, for Christopher Bell. We might not be able to see that from Christopher Bell until next season. But we are getting into – uh, the borderline here, we're approaching that 10 o'clock hour, and I want to make sure we've got time to do the roundtable. So uh, 10 o'clock Central, that would be 11 o'clock Eastern. Um, let's uh, go ahead and do the roundtable. Andy, we'll go ahead and start with you, and uh, we'll get started with our wrap-up here.
3: Yeah, Alasky14 yeah, on Twitter, yeah. and uh, as always, yeah. I'll have something out, Hot Topics related, in article for this week, order? and... Uh, Really excited for this weekend! A lot of racing, uh, two extended races, a truck race, and a cup race. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one.
0: All right, uh, Jake.
1: All right, you follow me on Michael Hoosman on Facebook, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram, and I know as a right now for Saturday, I'll be down at your capital city raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway, with the USCS Sprint Cars in action. So. Getting back on the microphone back down, back on there. The down there.
0: All right, Mike.
5: Yeah, Mike Orzel on Facebook, Mike underscore hey, Orzel on Twitter. Uh, look for a couple of uh, articles from me over the next couple of weeks on Fan4Racing blog regarding the potential shortening of NASCAR races, as well as follow-ups on the uh, 48 car and taking a look at uh, what uh, historic tracks NASCAR could potentially return to.
0: All right. I know one of those articles – along with Andy's Hot Topics, we'll have out tomorrow. And uh, I know the track article, we'll probably look to have that out uh, sometime uh, around Thursday of next week. So uh, it's been a really tight turnaround with these midweek races for me. Um, I have to do a lot more than normal work before I can even get to promoing the uh, radio show uh, on Mondays and Thursdays, so uh, keeping that in mind, it's it's going to take me uh, a little while to get caught up here, but uh, we will get that done, and uh, definitely looking forward to those articles being published. I am Fan4Racing site on Twitter and Fan4Racing uh, blog and radio elsewhere, including our website at com. So uh, definitely looking forward to reading those articles when. And- definitely looking forward to seeing what happens at homestead miami this weekend uh in all three series and the double header with the xfinity series so uh jay um, andy mike uh, thank you for all that you do i appreciate each and every one of you and uh, uh a, a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in we appreciate you as well whether you're listening to the live broadcast or the podcast Uh, We appreciate you taking, taking the time to hear what it is we have to say. So with that, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, guys.
1: Talk to you next time.
0: Talk to you next time. Again. Good night, everybody.